0: Six, five, four, three, two, one. How about we do it
1: again? Six, Six five, seven, four, three, two, one. And they got okay.
0: And,
1: okay. So I think I'm more than. Okay, let's try one more time. I've done
0: Rank and review. Rank and review. Six. Six. Five.
1: Five. Four.
0: Three. Two. One.
1: Hello and welcome to a special edition of Rank and Review. I, as always, am your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons. Not too, too long ago. But it seems long ago considering all that's happened in the world i did a special couple of episodes on the subject of found footage and why i decided to go hard deep sort of heavy onto one subject was because it was one of the most maligned things in horror i got so sick of reading and hearing people bitch about the found footage format that i thought i was going to play defense for them well now i want to do the same thing just in one episode, but a big in, uh, about zombies. Because, you know, I've been hearing people going on and on about how sick they are of zombies. And despite all of this rhetoric, all evidence seems to be going to the contrary. Like, there's more and more zombie cinema seeming to be happening and more and more embraced by the culture in spite of all the, like, noise and rhetoric against it. And if I was to argue that this all started with like 28 days later and uh, the remake of Dawn of the Dead sort of revitalizing zombies, then sort of with the double punch later on with Walking Dead coming out and really being a big, making a lot of noise in the zeitgeist, uh, zombies just keep on growing and growing and growing in popularity. And in spite of this, all you hear is all these people saying how sick they are of zombies, and how zombies are lame and boring, and how they're all the same, and there's just no creativity, and it's not even really worth reviewing a zombie movie. And uh, it's, you know, the the only thing lower than a zombie movie must be a found footage zombie movie. And if that's the case, and you're talking about Wreck, then sign me up. But it's not your average episode of Rank and Review. I'm not going to be doing six individual reviews. I'm going to be doing six ranks of ten, in working defense for zombie cinema. There's going to be six tiers to my uh, my argument, and each list will represent one of those arguments. And by the end, not only will I have convinced you of the validity of this subject matter and of this sort of subgenre of horror, but if you got a pen handy. My guess is that there's going to be lots of recommendations. Not to just sort of kiss my own ass here, too. Um, all of the movies being mentioned here are taken directly from my own personal collection. That's how I pared down the list from all of those zombie movies that exist <laughs> to the mo- zombie movies that are in my personal zombie collection. Um, good, bad, and different. Uh, interesting range. And then that's what I want to talk about. I mean, when you talk about monsters in cinema usually they're used as metaphors Dracula being the big grandpappy of them all in that way sort of his sort of emblematic of sexual violence of seduction of sort of you know forbidden things sex and violence all embodied in this one mysterious character who can literally fly into your room at night and and, and take advantage of you at your most vulnerable Frankenstein you know where man should not go exploring science that is forbidden sort of treading upon god's domain and being punished for it by the monstrosity that you've created and of course the whole sympathetic taste on the on the monster Um, the werewolf sort of idea you know the beast within our dark emotions our 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 deep animal self our, our bitter self our vengeful self our hateful self everything that we sort of stamp down and repress being set loose you know the that sort of you know werewolf idea that's going on every kind of monster is what what i'm saying has their own kind of metaphor that they like to play and i think the reason that zombies have just been growing and growing in popularity and sticking around so much is that you can use them for anything you want they're very pliable creatures you know right now on the in the age of covid that we've been living through you could use it as a how people react to huge scary events and how sometimes people don't react well and don't think clearly you know why were people fighting over toilet paper rolls and not penicillin or flour or like why was toilet paper the, the big panic item during a worldwide quarantine I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to wag my finger too harshly at you guys, but there's all sorts of things that you can use as toilet paper, besides toilet paper. It kind of, it's, it's interesting that uh, people, what they, people will react to in strange, you know, stressful situations. And I completely believe, unfortunately, though it makes me sound cynical, that especially in dire times, the things fall apart. The center does not hold. There is a period of time before things get sort of harnessed in where everything feels like it's in free fall and people can react badly to it. Now, <clears throat> imagine that if it's not just this pandemic that's keeping us away from our work and away from our socialization, but it's, you know, a plague of the walking dead. So uh, just add that ridiculously. But it doesn't always have to be that the true enemy is man, although it is a lot of the time. That is definitely a big theme in the Walking Dead books and uh, TV series, and I'm completely fine with that as well. But it also could be how we treat these, the, the problem. Like, after a point, once the zombies have established themselves, they become almost an obstacle. Can you rebuild when things go wrong? That's one way to look at it. And again, you can choose what you want these zombies to represent. They can represent illness. They can represent corruption. They can represent, you know, blind faith. They can represent, you know, giving in to all of the conventions that you're being trained to. We are all kind of zombies in that we all thoughtlessly go through our days because we feel like we have to do this. The same way a zombie might thoughtlessly wander around searching someone's brains because that's what they're supposed to do in their head. There's a lot to dig into with zombies, and I have a deep and long-standing relationship with them. One of the first horror movies that really, really didn't just scare me but ignited my imagination was Night of the Living Dead, and that excitement was sort of exacerbated by Return of the Living Dead, whereas Night of the Living Dead was sort of dark and scary and had one of the most downbeat and uh, shocking endings that I'd seen at a young age. Um, I was still fascinated by it. Return of the Living Dead was much more fun and felt much more forbidden and much more, you know, <coughs> uh of a ride. And the the ending may not be the happiest thing in the world, but I didn't feel gutted by it. There was there was an element of fun to it. And after seeing those two movies especially, I was very young. Too young to be watching zombie movies, arguably. But, all of a sudden, with my Masters of the Universe figures, I was playing zombies with them. (laughs) And, you know, the good guys were all hoarded up in Castle Grayskull, fighting fighting wave after wave of zombies. Um, It at a very early age got me. And I think the reason that I have to put myself in this position to defend it is that there was a real long period of time where I wanted there to be zombies everywhere. If this culture existed when I was a kid, if Army of the Dead, if Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead came out when I was in high school, I would have thought that was the most amazing movie ever made, period, end of sentence. Like, it would have completely, completely fed everything that I'd wanted or hoped or dreamed could be possible. And in the day and age we live in, it's kind of just another zombie movie to me. It's, it's obviously got a bigger budget and, you know, recognizable faces in it, but it's... It's another one. It's another zombie picture, and what a privileged place I feel like I'm in now. But I I lived through the drought, and that's what a lot of I think the people that are bitching about how they've grown up in the age of the zombies, uh, don't seem to understand. Like in the '90s and, and even in the '80s when we were getting like Day of the Dead and Return of the Living Dead a Reanimator, they didn't happen every na- every you know other week. It was every now and then. It was this weird thing that you would fall into. And in the 90s, you'd discover things, and usually they would be international films like like, Dead Alive or, or Cemetery Man or a lot of the Italian zombie sort of spin off movies, and uh, you'd have to make a real meal out of them. You know, it, there was a time in the 90s where a shitty zombie movie was great as far as I was concerned because it was a zombie movie. And then the worm turned, and then zombies were everywhere, and I kept on thinking, you know, the end must be soon, the end must be soon, but it just keeps going on. The Walking Dead is its own thing that we can get into, and I think it going into its last season, and me being such a fan of it, it might warrant an episode of ranking Review at some point in the future. But again, to all of the haters, how many shows last 11 seasons and maintain A-level quality? Because that does seem to be what you demand from the show. I think there are problems with the show, but there are problems that are saddled upon any long-running TV shows. Actors do suddenly depart. Things behind the scenes do get shaken up. Creators behind the show change. The show changes and morphs. It can't be fiercely loyal to the books. It's got to be its own show. And I think it is its own show, and mainly, I'm happy with it. There's hundreds of episodes to consider, so it's hard to just grade them all as one sort of master grade. But someday, we'll get into it about Walking Dead. But today, I just want to convince you that zombies are valid. And if it's going to be an uphill battle for you, I'm sorry. But uh, this is what we're here to talk about today. There's no formal guest this week, but uh, you may hear from a few other people. You never know. Um, thank you for being here. If you want to send me feedback or you want to recommend some zombies or you want to explain to me why zombies are tired and should be retired, you can do that by sending me, you know, your feedback at com, as always. But I think that's a pretty suitable introduction. I think we can get into this pretty quickly here and uh, start with the first rank. So yes, zombies are here and zombies are here to stay, at least for the time being. And uh <clears throat> lest you think that the zombies are just a problem, you know, an, an American phenomenon in North America and in Canada, United States, you know, that's where the obsession is maintained. No, it is a global obsession. It's maybe focused a little bit more heavily on this side of the ocean, but it's put its fingers everywhere. It has spled. It has spled, no. It has spread like a zombie apocalypse. So my first list of 10 movies that I can use to defend the zombie genre, I'm going to be looking at zombie cinema from around the world. So I'm going to give you 10 titles to consider, and going roughly in order from my least favorite to my most, but I do consider all of these recommendations, warts and all. In the zombie genre but these will for the most part be subtitled films with few exceptions so uh, definitely be aware of that and you know watch it with the subtitles I always think it's better if you have the option don't watch these ones dubbed but whatever that's that's my opinion you guys do you here are ten global zombie movies for your consideration in tenth position the Horde from 2009, mm-hmm. directors Yannick Dehan and Benjamin Rocher, I hope I'm saying that right, and this is in France. Um, this is a really kind of a style over substance zombie picture, but it's got really rich style. Imagine like a really gritty urban sort of aggressive thriller in the vein of King of New York or, or um, uh, what's that, Jake Gyllenhaal. Michael Pena cop thriller which was was down and dirty and gritty Um, picture a really gritty thriller like like King of New York or some sort of really urban sort of violent gritty cop sort of picture and turn on a switch which all of a sudden drops in a bunch of zombies because that's really what kind of feels like happens in this movie like there is a cartel i guess of these people who are like just destroying the city with corruption and drugs and 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 crime and the cops have just been so frustrated and so on their heels from these guys that they finally decide they're going to cross the line and they're going to do this attack on this sort of hideout of these bad guys and they're going to take them out they're going right or wrong this this has to end and um, if they have to play dirty to win they finally Have been sort of reduced to the point where they're willing to do it and in the midst of this war between these gangsters and these cops Like like a some weird video game thing happens Like it's not like somebody's getting bit and all of a sudden the zombie virus is slowly happening And within a few seconds, it seems like the city is suddenly already overrun with zombies Someone flipped a zombie switch and we have zombies everywhere fast running aggressive scary, you know, and it realigns everybody's priorities or does it and Sort of that's the ups and downs of the movie King of New York is actually a fairly interesting analog in that It does have the corrupt cops going against the bad guys. So it kind of messes with morality of the situation But this is not a thoughtful movie. This is an action-packed kick-ass zombie violence movie And if that's what you're looking for, I think you're gonna get your money's worth Um, There's some character beats that I wish maybe were better handled, but um, I think that most of my complaints would be quibbles This is uh, one of those really rare effective polished Action zombie pictures I've seen a lot of movies that are trying to do this, but they don't quite have the money to the uh, you know Skills to pull it off and this one really pulls it off You believe the size and scale of this apocalypse you believe the gun battles you believe the fights There's a lot of oh shit moments. There's good violence and good character beats. It has the energy of any three other zombie pictures. So definitely consider checking out The Horde. In ninth position, I'm going to talk about Seventh Moon from 2008. The director is Eduardo Sanchez. This is set in China. So this one is in, uh, well, a few different languages, but... The problem isn't the language barrier, I think, for people with Seven Moon, I think it's the presentation. It is not a found footage movie, but it's got the real shaky cam verite style. Especially when things get manic and shit starts hitting the fan, the camera starts going crazy. Everything that people complained about in Blair Witch is happening here. But I've become kind of a believer in Sanchez. I like this movie. It's not my favorite of his, but I think it works more than it doesn't. I think Amy Smart gives a really solid performance and sort of we we ground with her because like her, we feel like outsiders. We feel kind of lost in this foreign land with her. And uh, it's already sort of a really anxiety inducing scenario. Just, you know, you don't speak the language. You don't know the culture. You've already got this sort of layer of separation and now you've come here during this festival where the line between the living and the dead is so so vague that people actually leave offerings for the dead. And minor spoilers, just to get into the plot of the movie, we find that our protagonists themselves have become offerings. So uh, it's got spooky naked spirit zombies. They're kind of different. They're not your average stumbling shaggy sort of zombies, but like... Yeah, the look of the creatures is different. Uh, the dynamic of our protagonist is different. And yeah, the shaky camera can be distracting at times. But it does sort of help with the crazy chaos, scary feel of the of the whole movie. So it's it's really interesting. And um, like Sanchez did Blair Witch. He did Exists. He did this really dark picture called Lovely Molly. He showed real range in his game, but he's kind of stuck largely in the horror genre and... I have respect for Sanchez. Seventh mood is definitely worth a look, I think. But it's not found footage. If anyone tells you it's found footage, it's not. I've seen it listed on found footage lists, and. Uh, I don't know, I don't know. In eighth position, let's talk about Cemetery Man, or Della Morte, Della More. This is from 1994. The director is Michelle Sovi. Sovi is. Kind of one of the Italian film directors that, as far as I'm concerned, sort of has lived up the hype, lived up to the hype for me at least as part of his his horror movies. He did uh, a really kind of dark, disturbing, visually intense movie called the church he's did a a little rickety but engaging movie called The Sect, and then there's Cemetery Man, who I guess is based off an offshoot character from like this uh Spanish language comic book called Dylan Dog which I have read some of and actually quite enjoyed, but I didn't encounter uh, this character. But he babysits the cemetery. He looks after the cemetery on the edge of the city. And sometimes the dead rise after a certain amount of days, and he has taken it upon himself to kill them and knock them back down. That's sort of the B plot of the movie. The A plot is that he is lonely, and uh, he lives with this wordless assistant named Nagi, and it it covers him trying to solve his problem of purpose and loneliness. There's sort of large philosophical ideas in the movie, but then there's also ridiculous over-the-top violence and vomiting and floating heads and gratuitous sex scenes and, you know, everything that you love in sort of the exploitation Italian cinemas here, but in a much more strangely artful package. And uh, it's an impossible movie to describe, but I am a big, big fan of it. I'm a big, big fan of it, but (laughs) I'm also going to concede it is not for everybody. It's definitely for me, you know. Um, It comes out of Italy, obviously, and uh, Rupert Everett is the main character. Usually the copies you're going to get is going to be dubbed in English, so some of the actors' performances have been overdubbed. But I think the spell the movie casts, that that level of strangeness just sort of adds something to it. You do not know where this movie is going. It has sort of almost chapter and logs as if this was just like three or four random issues of the comic book of The Cemetery Man if such a thing existed. And it's got one of my favorite endings to any zombie movie. I'll give you that. It's not your traditional, the zombies are taking over the world type of scenario, but it's a funny, strange, gory, sexy zombie movie unlike any other. That Cemetery Man or Della Morte Della More. You can pray. Oh, I kick
0: ass for the Lord. You can plead. You can beg for mercy, Help! but nothing you can do will stop the Because how do you kill something that's already dead? Trimark Picture presents a modern masterpiece of horror. Your mother eh? my dog. Dead Alive. Party's over. It's
1: gross. It's gross. It's sort of like a a, a sort of slap your knee, Halloween night, guffaw, oh my god, that just happened type of movie. As far as making you think, as far as getting under your skin, as far as exploring the world of what a real apocalyptic scenario would be like, no. (laughs) That's not what this movie is, but to be fair, that's not what this movie is trying to be. There are movies that are just gore that I would dismiss and say are horrible, and this movie is chock full of gore, but I don't think it's horrible. I think that, like, uh, there's, for me, there's enough good things in it for fans of sort of that violent beast subgenre, that's fine. And like I said, it is winking at you, it is trying to be funny. If this was just trying to be a straight zombie movie that was getting off on all this... It's sort of like that just happened. They they keep on trying to make you sort of slap your forehead and go, What? Yes. The the priest who kicks ass for the Lord?
0: Exactly. Hence the what the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not for all tastes, but Mm -hmm. if this sounds like something that would appeal to you, it probably will. And if it sounds like something that would repel you... It It probably probably will. Uh, All right. I will just say that this is probably one of the best movies of this type then. Okay. In seventh place from New Zealand... And director Peter Jackson. Yes, that Peter Jackson. The Lord of the Rings Peter Jackson. Dead alive. In some places it's known as brain dead. This is a movie that uses your gag reflex as a trampoline. This is one of the goriest zombie movies ever produced. And I say that in such a complimentary way. I'm glad that it's now kind of, well, the dying age of the DVDs and the Blu-rays, because back in the era of VHS, when I first found this movie, you could get your hands on a really brutally edited version of this that was just such a lie, such a travesty, such an outrage to what Dead Alive truly is. This is a movie that is crazy. Like, it's insane. I think that peter jackson is insanely talented but i mean that in a literal sort of sense he is talented and he is crazy there's something a little bit off about the guy and he is okay with it he's embraced it he's using it and uh maybe it's a little bit more on the leash when he's doing some of these more cogent composed stories but i don't know he's got this giggly childish demented energy to him and he pours it deep and hard into this movie. The special effects are way better than you could possibly imagine them being, considering just how you know low budget and handmade this production was. Gallons of gore, hilarious performances, some charming stop motion animation, one of the grossest din of table table scenes this side of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just one of the most Terrible dinner table scenes in any horror movie, a, a, a baby zombie, a, a a ninja priest, a giant monster mom zombie, a uh, fight like a lawnmower fight, like the intestines of a zombie becomes a particularly uh, difficult adversary at one point. This movie throws everything at the wall and it sticks <laughs> It is memorable and demented and it still packs a wallop all these years later. So definitely check out Dead Alive. That's from 1992 and from New Zealand In my global tour of the zombies. In sixth position, Dead Snow from 2009. Uh, the director here is Tommy Wirkola. This was made in Norway. Zombie Nazis versus genre-aware snowboarders. So, you know, in some ways, it's emulating sort of the scream aesthetic. In another way, it's very much in the Evil Dead universe of the -the over-the-top gore. And yeah, snow landscape, Nazi zombies, over-the-top, lots of fun. There's one memorable character who is given not only an incredibly memorable sex scene, but an incredibly memorable death scene within minutes of each other um and it's fun and goofy and over the top but it also has some really great scare sort of boo moments and uh it keeps sort of doubling down on the gore you think wow that's that's the goriest thing this movie's going to show me but they find other ways to gross you out there's also a hilarious setup early in the movie about one of the characters having an issue with blood and you just know that that was going to come into play later on it's full of surprises Ricola actually made a sequel to this movie, which we may or may not discuss later on in the episode. Um, But in between, he made this movie called Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, which I think my buddy Mitch and I are the only two people in the world who kind of liked that movie. I mean, it was a conditional recommend, and I sort of describe it as a fun movie or a good-bad movie. But I don't know. I like this guy's vibe. I like his energy. And um, it's... A little bit less crazy and a little bit more composed than than Dead Alive so depending on your taste but um, yeah Dead Snow is a lot of fun you know they're not asking you to take the Nazi aspect seriously the people find Nazi gold and these it awakens the Nazis and they want to come and get it it reminds me of an old ancient animated Garfield Halloween special where Garfield finds pirate gold and the pirate ghosts come and get him Um, you know, (laughs) it's fun. This is one of those zombie movies that's not going to haunt your dreams, but it is going to put a smile on your face and it is memorably bonkers. It's, it's the one that, you know, the next day you're telling your friends, oh, there was this one part that I just howled. Yeah. Um, so check it out. It was popular enough to earn itself a sequel. So, um, I'm not the only one who likes it. Then we have blood quantum from 2019. The director is Jeff Burnaby and it's from Canada so i mean we're covering the entire globe here canada counts uh special bonus points from being from canada just like me and for introducing the world to a new canadian filmmaker there is a good balance here because it it brings back ideas to the zombie genre in that it sort of talks about how the native community are somehow immune to zombie bites they uh they don't have the same problem as with infection that anyone else seems to. And the pluses and minuses that the problems that that causes and how the, you know, some of them are, are see that as an advantage that that makes it, you know, unworthy of, you know, looking out for anyone else other than themselves. It's sort of like God coming down and saying, you know, the world is yours now. And then the others who are just saying, you know, humanity needs to survive, uh, for a first movie by this guy it is incredibly impressive and the balance of these new ideas and classic zombie gore is delicious a lot of there's a lot of hype around the movie i mean in its small limited way and i I imagine everything that this guy will do will just sort of get better in both its sort of ideas and execution If we let him do that, you know, the age of COVID has made it tough for all of the markets. And I do think the arts is the last thing that'll come back. Low budget Canadian film is going to be in the hurt for a long time yet, I think. And Blood Quantum sort of reminds us how good it can possibly be. Um, This is a relatively new one. I don't want to get into it too, too much and like start spoiling elements of it. But I will just tell you right here, right now from my heart, it's worth seeking out. Uh, it's not just Canadian pride. It's just, it is actually an interesting fresh take on zombies and people are always going on about how that doesn't exist anymore. And this was 2019. This wasn't, this wasn't 50 years ago. Okay. This is, this is fresh and I'm, I'm, I'm a big cheerleader for it. So there we go with blood quantum 2019 in fourth position. The Dead from 2010. The directors Howard and Jonathan Caboard This was made in Africa. And I guess the making of this movie is significantly more terrifying than the movie itself. Which is saying something because I think the movie has some really seriously tough stuff in it. There's a plane crash with very few survivors and this military man ends up washed on shore and he needs to find his way home. A global pandemic of uh, zombies have taken over and uh, he needs to get his hands on a plane and he needs to get to a whole other continent. It's it's going to be a long journey for him, best case scenario. The movie looks different. The zombies have these weird cool icy cold eyes to them and it brings back the classic slow moving Romero zombies which yeah after 28 days later and the dawn remake we were all about fast aggressive scary in your face zombies and this movie sort of reminds us this and I guess the walking dead reminds us that like vast numbers of these slow moving you know unstoppable hordes of zombies there's just they they can be used to great effect and that's one of the most impressive things about this movie. It really does feel like wherever our heroes stop throughout this sort of odyssey that they're on trying to find safe haven and, you know, this friend that he meets trying to reconnect with his his son. Anywhere they go, if they stop for too long, zombies start coming out of the trees and just start walking towards them. They just seem to magically know where they are. They can just sense them. And they're silent and they're spooky and... It's a really well done movie. The main character, the actor, is new. And I think he's better in his behaviors than in his, I guess, dialogue performances at times. But that said, the movie is largely him alone and surviving. He doesn't have a lot of that stuff. And in those scenes, I do really believe him. There's just a few scenes of dialogue where, I don't know, I don't know if he's camera shy or there's something a little little bit off about it. But the production is so impressive and where the movie takes you as a journey is so impressive and uh i was really cheering for these these ford brothers and continue to wreck from 2007 directed by Juan Beljaro and paco plaza it's from spain i hope i said their names right sorry you guys um the directors between them went on to make great movies like sleep tight darkness Veronica, and, well, more Rex sequels. Um, a female journalist is doing an all-night sort of lock-in with the city's firemen, and she's documenting what the typical night would be like for them, and they get called to an apartment complex where there's an old lady who's acting very strangely. They're subsequently locked inside said apartment complex and boarded in and like the powers that be won't let them leave and they document this very strange zombie outbreak which the more we learn from from this and subsequent movies has all sorts of strange chaotic layers to it it's a grueling intense sort of chaos sort of based movie but it's incredibly well done it stands like a champion in both the found footage genre and the zombie genre which is you know i'm here to defend both of those um it was remade into a movie called quarantine which we might discuss a little bit further down the road but uh i think this is definitely the superior entry and i think that the sequels do have their place but this is the wreck movie to see if you're only gonna watch one watch this it has its reputation and it deserves its reputation it is relentless it does have the shaky can and it does have a percentage of shrill sort of you know panic induced screaming that you know is absolutely legitimate to the scenarios that are being portrayed so i guess warning for people who are like not into that sort of thing but even if you're not into that sort of style this is one of the best of that style i seem to remember uh former Ranked Review champion Karen Geezy talking about a gore movie and she said it wasn't her kind of movie but for this type of movie it's like one of the best. Well, you know, you may not be into found footage zombie movies but for a found footage zombie movie this is like the best. Totally worth your time. Wreck. In second place from one of my very favorite filmmakers 28 Days Later, Danny Boyle just an amazing, you know, impressive filmmaker. This is obviously set in London. It comes out of the UK for the theme of the, the global zombie list here. Uh, no subtitles required, but definitely, like the previous entry, this one is Guilty of the Shaky Cam. And there's uh, it's a, one of the first digitally shot movies. I think there's some really beautiful shots in it, but there's stuff that is intentionally rough about it. Um, it introduced the world to, to Killian Murphy and uh, it, uh, it's got these running infected, I know a lot of people for some reason when this came out didn't want it to be a zombie movie. These people are infected, they're not zombies, but it's a zombie movie in presentation and the characters and the apocalypse. Infamous opening sequence with the character of Jim walking through downtown London and everything's empty, there's nobody around amazingly, practically got cut, shot, or practically shot sequence. Um, it's an incredibly memorable movie. I remember seeing it in the theater and being physically exhausted by it. Like, I, I loved it, I was having a great time, but like, I, I was just riding my seat. Like, it was an absolute terrifying thrill ride. And I'd almost forgotten that the, we could still have these terrifying thrill rides. And honestly, like, this movie came out in 2002 and it wasn't until a few years ago that I saw a movie that I could compare to this. If, for some reason, you've not seen 28 Days Later, please, I implore you, give it a watch. And yes, though I understand that this is an infection and these people are still technically alive, the world is treated as a zombie epidemic and they actually make direct references to the romero world zombies like this is a zombie movie They just uh, they 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 unleash a virus too that's that's how they that's how they start the numbers off but i think if you're gonna get really picky about just not being a zombie movie, you're really unnecessarily splitting hairs really um, check out 28 days later and the number one movie on this list that uh, sort of talking about Zombie cinema from around the world is that other zombie movie that that Thrilled me and excited me in a way that I didn't think a zombie movie would again and that's Train to Busan from 2016 I didn't see it till probably 2018 but the director is Sung Ho Yen. It's set in South Korea and it is an absolutely amazing amazing zombie movie the, both the, the way the epidemic is sort of shown and the snowball effect, the the style of the movie, how it's, it's both contained because it's on a train, but it's always on the move because it's on the train. Um, the way they incorporate interesting ideas, like the zombies don't do well in the dark. So when the train goes through tunnels, they're able to navigate through the zombies, but only as long as the tunnels exist. Um, really quick character work with a lot of the characters, like... You just like them right away. There's this one guy who's looking after his his pregnant wife and like within thirty seconds of meeting him, you just you're cheering for him, you just love that character. This movie has one of the worst Cooper characters in zombie movie histories. It sneaks up on you emotionally. It's one of the few movies... Because I've just become this hard son of a bitch. Any movie, let alone a horror movie. Which actually had me on the verge of tears during some of its climactic moments. Like, I was emotionally invested in the zombie chaos. And just the scale of it is so impressive. They obviously spent a lot of money on it. A lot of extras. There's a scene, memorably, where... like a train is trying to leave the station and a wave of zombies is trying to basically drag the the train down and weigh it down to a stop so that they can get onto it and um, the way sometimes they spill out when they'll crowd through a door through a window and they kind of vomit out of places it's very much as it's described in the Pontypool series of novels which we're going to discuss very briefly later in this podcast uh, the way that movie sort of describes them crawling over top of each other as this sort of living mass There's a few sequences within this movie, which really does that in a much sort of less Computery way than World War Z. I'm not going to say it's completely not computery but it's not as bad as other movies have presented it and just the the story arc about this sort of father trying to, you know, keep his daughter safe through this incredible epic journey that just seems to get worse And worse and worse and more intense. It's just one of the best zombie movies ever made. Train to Busan. that gets less respect than zombie movies or found footage movies are sequels prequels and remakes so my, my second leg of the argument and here will be 10 movies that are either sequels prequels or remakes that involve zombies i think we can all get behind that premise Now, uh, if you're gonna be one of these cynical people, and I'm not one of them, admittedly, who just, you know, yeah, the whole idea of a sequel is to just exploit an idea that was good. It's hard enough to have one idea that is successful to then, you know, try and pile it on, you know? And I agree, some movies would be better off without sequels, but it's a money-making enterprise, and I understand that sequels are kind of inevitable. Even movies that are bombs initially, if it gets too big of a cult following, here comes that sequel. So uh, you might come into that whole thing shields up. Sequels are bad. And in this case, you know, you're going to be doubling down. It's not just a zombie movie. Well, it's a zombie sequel. Can we handle it? Well, I think you can handle this ten... In 10th place, Return of the Living Dead, from director Brian Usna, 1993. I recently talked about this in my Three Quills episode. Uh, it's a really strange movie, and the tone's all over the place. The quality of the effects are all over the place. The quality of the acting is all over the place. Everything is all over the place. But I really like the movie. I mean, uh, you can check out that review if you want to hear more about it. It's the Three threequels episode. But, um, yeah, I, I, I've always feel like I'm in somewhat safe hands with Brian Yuzna. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be over the top. It's going to show me stuff that I, I haven't seen before. And in some cases, maybe I don't want to, you know, know before. But he's a sick, dependable B-movie maker. So, like, hats off to Yuzna. Um, it's just, it's it's a movie that's way better than you'd think it would be. While at the same time being essentially silly and ragged. I'm a big supporter of Return of the Living Dead 3, but you know, I don't need to oversell it.
0: Kurt, help me. I'm losing myself, Kurt. When it doesn't hurt, I get hungry. And the pain isn't helping anymore. Hey. Hey. <laughs>
1: ninth position, uh, well, I guess the Outpost sequels, but since I haven't talked about it anywhere else, we'll just say the As It Exists Now Outpost Trilogy, the first one directed by Steve Barker, the second and third directed by Kieran Parker. It started in 2008. The third one came out in 2013. And yes, we're dealing here with Nazi zombies and uh, the kind of sp- tonally very different. All, each movie sort of exists in a different kind of place. The first movie is much more of a traditional siege action, you know, can they get out of this terrible situation and these unkillable Nazi zombies? Um, The second one gets into like people investigating war crimes and stumbling upon, you know, these ancient or the, these, uh, forbidden experiments and the results of them. And then the third one goes again back in time to show like strange zombie arena fights in the backdrop of World War II. They're very strange and in some ways exploitive because they're taking a very serious subject and not making it very serious. But these movies are a little spoken of and I think that they're sort of enjoyable to the zombie crowd. Um, the, the first one has the most polish and like definitely the most sort of yikes as far as the gore goes, but I think all three of the films at least have their moments. So, uh, check out the Outpost series because I don't know why no one seems to, no one seems to love them. And another, this is kind of an aside, but as a trilogy, it strangely parallels the Canadian trilogy of Ginger Snaps in that the first movie, like it, you you look at it and you feel like you know what it is, but it way kind of overperformed for me. And the second one is a sequel that you weren't sure that you wanted, and it's just a little bit more dark and a little bit more strange than you were expecting, but still kind of decent in its own right, but, like, problematic. And then there's a prequel, and the prequel is kind of all over the place, and there's stuff that's good and there's stuff that's bad, and it's just sort of the capper and the trilogy. Really, they they have the exact same trajectory for me, those three movies. Um, Um I'm here to talk about Outposts, but I'm also a Ginger Snaps fan, but it's weird how they map almost entirely, like, parallel um, with the trajectory of the trilogy. So, uh, shout out to both Ginger Snaps, but definitely, for the purposes of my argument here, the Outpost trilogy. In eighth place, we're going to go, speaking of Nazi zombies, Dead Snow 2, Red vs. Dead, again directed by Tommy Ricola. This was from 2014, I believe. Um, he ups the ante on both the crazy and the violence, which is saying something because dead snow is pretty fucking crazy and pretty fucking violent. So points for that. Some people think it crossed the line. It sort of went to, like, great extremes to both push a nerve and, like, go out of its way to revisit things from the original plot, even to the degree that it doesn't make sense bringing characters back that were clearly dead, but... I'm sure lots of horror movie sequels are guilty of worse things. And the Dead Snow franchise are not plot movies. They're sort of gore movies. They're energy movies. They're they're as crazy as Evil Dead, but with like a percentage more random to it. Um, But yeah, Dead Snow 2, Red vs. Dead. Completely solid Nazi zombie sequel. And look, Nazi zombies with a Nazi zombie tank now. Right? We're just up in the (laughs) anthes. that's dead snow too in seventh place this one's infamous from director lucio fulci in 1979 this is called zombie or at least more commonly on this side of the ocean zombie 2. it's most famous for having a zombie versus shark sequence and that zombie versus shark sequence is amazing there's also an infamous slow motion eye gouge which is an interesting feat of special effects and it's a really drawn out Uh, sequence and a lot of people love it for the gore and the squeamishness but uh, I'm sorry for the spoilers here this woman who slowly gets her eye pierced by a splinter just needed to use her hands to cover her eye or to cover said splinter (laughs) just (laughs) it's the suspension of disbelief required to make that effect sell has always been problematic for me but again this is not a thinking man's movie this is just sort of an experience And again, this is sort of tangentially, at least meant to be like a parallel universe sequel to Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Uh, Zombie 1 was a recut version of Dawn of the Dead. So this was sort of a sequel to that. And uh, it all takes place on an island. There's some good kills. There's some gratuitous nudity. It brings what you want and what you expect from the Italian sort of spaghetti zombie as far as being gratuitous and over the top. But it also is the expected sort of strangeness, silliness, and archness, but um this is like the cream of that crop of movie. I've not been as big on the Italian zombie movies personally. I'm more of a Romero guy myself, but hey, here's me uh it's definitely something that you can't unsee, and it's got this you know ridiculous reputation for a reason. It is really gory, it's really silly, it's really strange. Number six, Quarantine, from director John Eric Dowdle. Um, It's from 2008. It's a remake of Wreck, and it's a pretty darn good remake of Wreck. This one was also spoken of uh, not too long ago on the podcast with my uh, good friend Scott Lehman. And uh, it's from the director of the Poughkeepsie Tapes and As Above, So Below and Devil. He's a good genre director. Um, I got really kind of rubbed the wrong way that they didn't credit the original film and the official releases of this movie like if someone just bought quarantine and they hadn't heard of wreck they wouldn't know that this movie was a remake and i just think there's something dishonest about that but that shouldn't really affect the quality of the film and especially upon re-watching it for the podcast the qualities of the movie did reassert themselves it is completely decent uh jennifer carpenter does a good job of convincing me she's almost being rendered crazy By the level of terror and fear that she's you know experiencing and all the trauma that she's witnessed in this one harrowing night and uh the technical execution of it is really good um it is almost a shot for shot uh remake it's just a little bit less chaotic and it's more focusing on a rabies type of epidemic than making it a pure zombie or spiritual epidemic like in the original um I used to feel like they changed so little that the entire movie itself was unnecessary. necessary. I don't feel that way anymore. I mean, as remakes go, it is respectful in its execution. And, uh, you know, if you can't handle subtitles or if the combination of the shake, you can't add the subtitles is too much. I guess quarantine's here for you. I think Rex the better movie, but quarantine is totally solid. Number five, uh, Soul Station, which is a animated prequel. To train to Busan and Peninsula, sort of a tie here. I can cheat, it's my show, I can do whatever I want. The first one, the prequel is from 2016, the sequel is 2020. Uh, director Sang Ho Yim, I hope I'm saying that right, if not, I apologize. To be real though, even though the first one's a straight animated film, Peninsula has so much computer effects, especially in the driving sequence and the crowd sequence of the zombies, that it almost at times feels like an animated movie as well. It doesn't have the visceral or emotional punch of Train to Busan, but it has a lot of the fun and the energy of Train to Busan, so that's good. And the the is just an interesting kind of like introduction to the world. Um, it's canon because it's the same director, but it does feel like a little bit separate and other. And I think the animation kind of enhances that, but there's some great sequences in it. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it, it's fun. I'm curious as to how Peninsula will age as far as these special effects. But, um, you know, I think these had a high bar that they were kind of trying to measure to with train to be And, um, I think they're both have, a, a good measure of success to the most part. They're certainly worth a watch. Um, I, it's argued to say that maybe Salvation is trying to be a little bit too clever and that maybe Peninsula is not quite clever enough, but I was entertained watching both of them and I suspect you will be too. The fourth is Dead 2, also directed by the Ford Brothers, Howard and Jonathan. Uh, another success, this time in, in India. They just moved the action to India, showing how that you know not into just dealing with things um and these guys they made two great films they're great zombie films with great scale and like they still really have been minimally successful it's 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 not it's it's so unfair because they're both great movies this one came out in 2013 the it's great scale great ambition the, there's some growth from the original and it, it, this might be of the most underrated of the zombie sequels I like the first one a lot too and in a way I like the story in the first one better but I like the execution of the second one a lot better and they both go hand in hand they do feel of the same world and uh, there's the zombies again like they're just everywhere there's there's this crushing cynical feel of the movie where there's just no matter where you go you're not safe they're always coming there's no real place to be there's no real place to go the the sense of doom and gloom of the movie is frankly quite impressive so yeah the dead two and please somebody dust off the the ford brothers because man they made two great films Man, like in third position the sequel to 28 days later 28 weeks later this is uh directed by juan carlos Fresnadillo. Uh, he went on to direct a little scene film called intruders his first film was called In acto this was in 2007 which was actually a pretty strong year for zombie movies and the opening sequence of 28 weeks later is one of the best opening sequences to any horror movie period end of sentence it is fucking awesome Robert Carlyle and this group his wife and this group of survivors think that they've rescued a little boy but all they've done is just brought on a horde of these infected um the the social satire in the the film is not that subtle but it's got such good qualities such suspenseful sequences I love that at the time that this movie was released, it was not a star-studded film, but if you watch it today, it is an absolutely star-studded zombie film, so, like, I love that bit about it. Um, I do think that at times it abandons the idea of the infected for zombies. We we see infected guys running with their guts hanging out, which suggests to me that maybe they're zombies, that maybe they're dead. Either that or their rage sort of out outweighs any kind of pain or, or survival instinct. I wouldn't go running with my guts hanging out of me like that anyway. It's a divisive sequel. I know not a lot of people, or not all of the fans of the original, are still on board with the sequel, but I really liked it, and there are forever rumors of 28 months later. I don't know if I believe that it'll ever happen, but I sure hope that if and when it does, it lives up to this, because it, if it does, it could be one of the great you know trilogy great horror trilogies that we got going um and you know i want to see more from this director the style is really strong any of the problems are here there's a few narrative issues there's a few script issues that i have but they're quibbles i remember watching this again for the first time in the theater and just finding it really intense and really thrilling so bravo
0: Look up the road, there's a lot more of them. Why are they coming here? Maybe they're coming for us. There's a man going round taking names. And he decides who to treat and who to blame. Everybody will be treated all the same. There will be a golden light reaching down
1: the man second place is Zack snyder's remake of dawn of the dead one of the great surprises of 2004 um i've told the story before my son was brand new when my wife and i took him to see this movie uh, <laughs> and he slept the whole thing he was of course you know a brand new baby boy but uh it was a very memorable experience and um i i wanted to go out and, you know see a zombie movie on the big screen because those things didn't happen that often and uh, I was a little bit worried because I wasn't sure if I wanted a sequel to Dawn of the Dead. And boy, did it ever pay off for me. I really had a lot of fun with it. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, it's 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 Zack Snyder's best movie. I recently watched his Army of the Dead, and I still think this is the better zombie movie of the two. Um, the Army of the Dead has its moments, but this one is... It's a really fun, good time. And I think a lot of credit can be given to James Gunn's script... It sacrifices the social commentary for action and fun but that's a fair trade-off why try to beat the original when you know in your heart you're not going to beat the original not on its satire you can beat it in other ways like upping the ante on the zombies not only do these zombies look better than the original dawn of the dead zombies but they're much more aggressive and frightening they you know they're running aggressive scary zombies and you know in in 2004 the special effects really up the scale and because there weren't zombies every week It was quite impressive to see this many zombies in this level of zombie violence It had been a while and it was just to me such a breath of fresh air It was also made in Canada, which gives it bonus points. I'm not gonna say that it didn't but it way overperformed Everybody was surprised at how big this movie kind of became and it's like it's still it's got a good reputation for a reason um, I'm not giving up on Zack Snyder, but, like, he he seems to be really good at style, but maybe needs someone else to come up with the screenplays for him is what I'm increasingly thinking. But that's just one man's opinion. It's a really good zombie remake, and uh, if you haven't seen it, you probably should. And to end this wing of my arguments that these zombies' sequels, prequels, and remakes are are still good and, you know, in such a derided genre that I could come up with ten of them, I think is kind of impressive, frankly. Uh, I'm, this is not exactly an obscure choice for number one, but I think that I maybe like it more than most and that maybe it's not as respected as it should be. It's the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead by director Tom Savini, savini is mainly known for you know basically playing himself in cameo roles in movies and back in the 70s and 80s his amazing hands-on practical gore effects if tom savini did the effects work on a movie that was a reason enough to watch the movie for me you know and uh he one of his first gigs was dawn of the dead and um he had a good relationship with romero romero wrote the script he updated the script for the 90s he he uh, updated barbara and uh, he he made changes that would you know defy expectations of people who were hardcore fans of the script but since this came from the hands of the creator itself it didn't feel like a cash grab between that and the fact that the copyright issue with the original night of living dead got screwed up because Prince got distributed without the copyright, so Romero didn't make any, really any money off of the first film. He just sort of started his career because of it. In a way, this movie kind of gave Romero his first Night of the Living Dead proper payday, which, you know, I think he earned. I also think Tony Todd is just epic in the movie. He gives such a solid performance. It's worth watching it for him. And uh, somewhere in the world there's an unedited version of this movie I'd like to believe that someday we will see but even in its much edited bared down form I still think it works because of the simple power of the premise of the story the original will always be the original the original is a masterpiece and it is what it is but this is a very respectful very well executed sequel and I feel it's grossly underrated sun has come out it's very early in the morning and the birds are chirping and so you might hear some birds but uh maybe that fights the kind of vibe of the spookiness of talking about the undead and zombie pictures but we're just gonna we're just gonna work through it it's either that or i go and hunt them all down one at a time and i don't have the energy all right well what I hear people bitching about when they talk about zombie movies that there's a new zombie movie around the corner it's like, I don't want to watch that zombie movie I've seen it I mean even though I haven't seen it I've seen enough zombie movies I know what it's gonna be you know this whole idea that they're all derivative they're essentially the same movie about a bunch of types that get locked in together and seized by zombies and will they work together or will they fail and uh, who's gonna fuck it up for the rest of them and um, you know rinse and repeat. All zombie movies are the same. I've heard people say this. And it's just not true. It's just not true. This list of 10 movies are original zombies. I have 10 selected here. But uh, I'm going to give honorable mention really quickly to two movies, called one called The Returned and one called The Cured. They're different in that They deal with a post-zombie apocalypse, so people have been turned back or have recovered from the zombies, and the the world's past that, but I just decided, A, they're both basically the same premise, so which one do I include, and B, let's let's keep it about actual zombies, not the sort of post-zombie world, so blah, 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 blah. Shout out to the returned and the cured. Here are 10 original zombie features. In 10th place, Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. 2016 directed by Burr Steers that's there's nothing about that that's not weird I mean first of all putting together you know Pride and Prejudice with with a a zombie movie is like something that both nobody and everybody would want I guess it's just such a weird mix that like why how and then it actually was a successful book and now it's somehow exactly like a a successful film it just it doesn't seem like it, it should have happened And the other thing is the director, Burr Steers, who I sort of thought is like sort of this indie up-and-comer who was, you know, wanting to do something more maybe legit than something of a Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. But, like, he made this indie movie that I really like called Igby Goes Down, sort of a star-studded kind of character piece that, uh, you know, overperformed for me. And I didn't know where I thought he would go from there, but I could never have guessed this. Perhaps it was just cynically made for couples, you know? Jane Austen plus George Romero equals date night. I mean, I know my wife and I were both looking forward to it for different reasons. I would argue that it sort of pleases, it pleases neither Austen fans or zombie fans completely, but it is sort of hypnotizingly odd to watch. And it's unlike any other zombie movie, which is what I'm here to talk about. I mean, say what you will, it's stylish and it's different. And, uh, you know, the ladies are badass. They're not just trained to be perfect wives. They're trained to be warriors. They're trained to kick ass and look super hot while doing it. It's it's hard to oversell the movie, but it's impossible to completely hate it. So, in 10th position, Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. What the hell? In 9th position, it's called, Ah! Zombies! <laughs> it's from 2007 it's also known in some places as wasting away neither the titles are that great it's uh directed by matthew conan i believe is the name um it's a it's from the zombies point of view kind of sort of i hope that's not too much of a reveal but like um we're seeing it from a people a group of people who have been turned into zombies but they don't realize it they don't understand why everybody else is moving so fast and uh why they're having such trouble communicating and everyone seems weirded out and scared by them. And um, the, the stakes aren't super high in that, like, we're not so invested as to feel the weight and tragedy of the world, you know, falling apart. It's just kind of funny to see it from a different perspective completely. It's a complicated premise, but it's fairly clearly executed on a very low budget. And it just, it's just one of those ones that's just not as recognized as it should be. Um, I don't know what anybody in this kind of went on to, but low budget, big ambition. They're making a zombie movie, but it's not just another zombie movie. They got their own take, and I like that we kind of come to like this group of zombies, even though if we were to t- uh, suddenly unplug from their perspective, um, they could be doing some some really bad business. Um, It's it's you know. It is what it is, but like uh, I, I like it. I appreciate a movie with minimal means, but a huge heart and uh, ambition. So, check out uh, Ah Zombies. Wish it had a better title, though. In eighth position, from director Hen, uh, Henry is it Henry or Henry Hobson? Uh, 2015's Maggie, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. The the guy who made this is mainly known as a director of video games or video game sequences and stuff like this and uh arnold schwarzenegger did this for free it is the lowest budget picture that he was involved in since the original terminator which when it was made was considered a pretty low budget film um and that's the weird thing about this one this is like a sad drama it's about grief it's a human drama and uh about dealing with the fact that somebody close to you is going to deteriorate and die and all you can do is watch there's very minimal things you can do to help and you know this is only going to turn out one way and it is it's a heartbreaking picture it's also interestingly taken from the uh, blacklist screenplays of twenty thousand or 2011 pardon me um these are scripts that are really well liked really well thought of that has done the rounds in hollywood but no one will make them. Everybody agrees these are great scripts, but they're not going to get made. What a what a fascinating fucking paradox. Like, we like these movies, but who will watch them? And to prove that point, as far as a, a zombie movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, very few people seem to have heard of Maggie, but it's worth seeking out. But This is not a wall-to-wall, violent, sort of, you know, (laughs) Arnie kicks ass kind of zombie movie. And I can understand someone going in wanting that, being very disappointed by Maggie. No, 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 no. Very different animal we got here. This is sort of a slow burn, emotional, like I said, study of grief more than anything else. It's it's not exactly a feel-good picture. In fact, it's a downer. But for that type of movie, I actually think it's really good. And it's not, you know your typical zombie movie, which is what I'm here to talk about.
0: Dad, you've protected me all my life. Now it's my turn to protect you. There is life with you, not with me. Don't come looking for me. I'm safe, I'm fine. Mr. Vogel. I wouldn't normally release someone with this type of infection. Dad! I need you to follow the rules here. The quarantine is eight weeks in. She's probably gonna show more signs of aggression than hunger. When that happens, say your goodbyes and get her straight through quarantine. I made a promise to your mother to will protect you. Quarantine rules plot everybody, Wade.
1: Number seven is It Stains the Sands Red from director Colin Monaghan, who's, I guess, uh, one half of what was called the Vicious Brothers Once Upon a Time. This is from 2016. He's also responsible for Grave Encounters, Extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial and What Keeps You Alive. And I've been cheering for this guy. And um, what's interesting about this particular one is it mainly only has the one zombie as the villain here and as much as this zombie is a problem and an obstacle and it's tenaciously following the stranded woman through the desert uh it it sort of turns into more of a survival film the elements become a problem the fact that she can't stop anywhere for too long or the zombie will catch up with her the fact that she's unarmed um it, it just like sort of piles in on itself and like again the zombie never sleeps, the zombie never rests, the zombie starts following her around. But it's also the only quote company she has in this sort of extreme survival scenario that she finds herself in. It does get a little bit nastier at times than maybe it needs to be. It is gratuitous in ways that are sort of shocking. And someday when I do a full proper review of it, I'll get like properly into it. But for these ones I don't want to get too spoilerific. Um But it's a strange and good approach as, like, to take it It's both a zombie and a survival horror type of movie. And, um, you know, how the the zombie things sort of pay off. It's also, again, clearly a low-budget affair, but that's sort of where this guy lives. And he does another good job of it. It it stains the sand red. It stains the sand red. I'm having trouble speaking, you guys. Um, Another interesting and original zombie picture. In sixth place from Australia, Wormwood Road of the Dead from director Crow Roche-Turner. I don't know about these names, you guys. 2014. It's like, yeah, Australian Mad Max movie with zombies. Um, You don't know what you're going to get scene for scene, not just like on what you're going to see, but tonally emotionally. There'll be like a scene that's really going to wreck you and sort of pull your strings emotionally and like that's so tragic. And then there'll be a scene that's completely wild and absurd, and then a scene that's really comical, and then a scene that's just kind of, kind of David Lynchy, and you. Not only with that do you not know where it's going to feel or what you're going to see, but where the movie is going and what the next reveal will be. Again, minimal spoilers here, but like there's a, a woman that can, can psychically control zombies, <laughs> and there's these guys that find out you can use the blood or whatever, the gas that's leaking out of these zombies to fuel their automobiles and they make zombie-fueled vehicles. It's as crazy as it sounds, but it's also kind of wonderful. There's rumors that there might be a sequel or a TV series or something like that, but whatever it is, whatever it turns out to be, um, as far as I'm concerned, more please, more of that. (laughs) It's great stuff. Coming to the halfway point on this particular arm of my argument of original zombie movies. This one's French and I like it in spite of that. It's called the night eats the world. It's from director Dominique Rocher. I love the creatures in this. First of all, like the zombies are are, are quiet. They, they sort of split the difference between quick and quiet. They don't make a lot of noise, like moaning and growling. They're like, I just like how that's presented. And that in this case of this man, who's largely it's a one man show, this guy's alone in an apartment building. Um, he starts to psychologically deteriorate. He's just been alone for too long. And in the way he can get from apartment to apartment and he can keep himself fed and he has access to water for the most part, and he can keep above where the zombies are. There's something, uh, about like he can survive but there's nothing worth surviving for. Um, again, can somebody survive long enough so that surviving's no longer the best thing for them where like they have to take some risks to look, to look out for other, for something new because their environment is as much a trap as anything else. It's from 2018. It's a fairly recent movie, and uh, I'm going to just talk about one sequence just to uh, illustrate how much I love, well, the power of the movie, um, and I encourage you to seek it out. It's again called The Night Eats the World, but there's a sequence where the guy hasn't seen anything for a while, and he starts playing drums, making some noise, because they respond to noise to test his theories, to see if they're still around or if they've found something else to chase after. And sure enough, the noise attracts the zombies, but he's so frustrated and so put off by this that he keeps on playing and he keeps on playing and he keeps on looking as the zombies, their numbers increase and increase and they come closer and there's more and more of them and he just can't stop playing. He just th- doesn't know what else to do. And it's just such a great scene in a great little unseen zombie movie. And, um, it's sort of like a solitary approach. It's an emotional approach to the zombie movie, um, isolation, psychological, uh, does have its visceral moments, but it's, it's a different approach to zombie movies. I like it a lot. In fourth place maybe ranking artificially high but just winning points for originality is a picture called Anna and the Apocalypse from director John McPhail it's from 2017 it's a Glee styled Christmas themed zombie musical picture that's you 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 didn't you didn't mishear me that's exactly what it is it's another one of these upbeat in the face of like all of this dour misery and carnage um despite what's going on people are breaking into song and here's the thing musicals aren't typically my thing and specifically like if you're going to do a musical have fun with it be a comedy and this one sort of does have a bit of a sense of humor but it is legitimately a musical it's not set decoration on a zombie movie you know neither the zombie movie nor the musical takes over. It is both, and it somehow kind of works. And I'll even say some of the songs are kind of irritatingly catchy. Um, it respects the zombie genre while, while entirely kind of doing its own thing. And I really, I, it, it overperformed for me. And uh, it's one of the first zombie movies I watched with my son. It, was, it seemed like it wouldn't be too gratuitous but with all the Christmas themes and the dancing and the singing going on. It wouldn't be too traumatizing for my young teenage son. And, uh, you know, he had his issues, but I think for the most part, he liked it. Um, maybe not your first zombie picture, but it's sort of like a safe, fun date, seasonal, fun zombie thing, you know you're looking for something out of the way to watch at Christmas time and you don't feel like Die Hard or Gremlins, maybe try Anna and the Apocalypse. Maybe it can be like a new sort of Christmas option for you or something. I enjoyed it.
0: This is Willard's new head of security at ZomCon, who is not only a decorated hero of the zombie wars, but is also ZomCon's official safety expert. <laughs> Mr. Bottoms is the father of our newest and I suspect our brightest student, Cindy. <laughs> Well, good afternoon, boys and girls. So how many of you have ever had to kill a zombie? Well, not too many. And that's the way I'd like to keep it. My job at ZomCon is to make things safe for young people just like you. And that's why I'm building a taller fence. And there are gonna be new safety vans patrolling our streets. And we are gonna take everybody's picture. Just in case one of you gets lost. So, what do you think of that?
1: In third pl- place, another one made out of Canada. So, you know, uh, gotta gotta respect those Canadian-made pictures. T- 2006 Fido. I'm known very much for this entirely wordless performance from famous wordsmith Billy Connolly. He's got this thick accent, and he's known for his stand-up comedian and telling these great stories and being loud and robust and, and like, you know, just a hypnotizing storyteller. He can really spin a yarn. And they cast him as a zombie in this sort of 1950s-style sort of world where zombies are domesticated. They're wearing collars, and they mow the lawn, and they do the housework, and they're very obedient as long as their collar stays on. (laughs) And it's also on top of all of that weird sort of zombie sort of pointed satire of the sort of 50s or this, quote, idealized version of, you know, this is what the world was when it was perfect once upon a time. Uh, And not only is this idolized world not very perfect, but, you know, again, the sort of bland, happy smiles in the face of all the grimness of the zombie world just on the other side of the fence. Uh, the movie is, is got some real humor to it. It's completely individual. Uh, Canadian actress, Carrie-Anne Moss, of course, most famously known from The Matrix and Memento. Um, she's this really tough, gun-toting mom who's dealing with an almost impossible husband. And while she was shooting the movie, she was pregnant and they were trying to tell her to, well, it's a, it becomes a plot point later in the movie. But you, you can sort of see that they're trying to hide the fact that she's pregnant for a while in the movie. It's kind of interesting um it's a very weird very canadian very good you know underseen movie which is you know the kind of thing that i like to celebrate um it, it should be just more remembered than it is fido seek it out check it out the second movie has been getting a lot of chatter and i mean it's starting to increase its buzz and again because it's got big cult standing the rumors of a sequel are, are, are coming. And since it's based off of a series of novels, there is material for which it could be made. This is from 2008. It is also Canadian. It's from Bruce MacDonald. It is Pontypool. Um, Tony Burgess, not the same Tony Burgess of the uh, or Orange, uh, is the author of this series of the these novels set in small town uh, Canada where there's a virus of... Zombie epidemic that can be spread through the human for through the English language Or maybe any language but in this corner of the world the English language and While that's being figured out and understood We focus on a broadcaster played by Stephen McCaddy Doing the news and trying to figure out what the hell's going on and as he's doing that he may well be unknowingly spreading the zombie mo- zombie plague it's a classic sort of form one room thriller. It's made from one you know sort of the the patron saint uh, indie Canadian filmmaker Bruce McDonald he does a lot of Canadian television as well but he's sort of like he's made a lot of movies and uh, you know he's you know if you're a Canadian filmmaker you know that's sort of the the, the bar which, which you, you're looking to, to reach is, is McDonald. He's steadily working, he's got his personal projects, he's got his professional projects, and he's just uh, you know someone to keep your eye on. Pontypool is another one of those reasons why. I'm glad that its reputation seems to have grown. I remember earlier in the podcast, it didn't feel like it was known that much outside of Canada, but I'm hearing a lot more people talk about it, it comes up more on YouTube videos and stuff like this. So I'm gonna back everyone up on Pontypool. It is a very original, very different, zombie movie and that's what I'm here to talk about and it's really well executed and really well acted and it's you know one that might have slipped through your fingers so try Pontypool so what could be the number one on this what, what would be a more original different take or revitalizing take on the zombie genre well this is another fairly recent one it's from 2016 director Colm McCarthy the girl with all the gifts First of all, I want to say the star of the movie, Gemma Arterton, is a goddess. I think she's just absolutely one of the most beautiful people, one of the most beautiful humans that I've ever seen. <laughs> her light shines bright for me. I don't know. There's something about her. I just think she's very lovely. Her presence is a help in any movie. I just really like her. What am I say? I'm, I'm a boy. I will plead guilty to that. But she's really solid in this movie, too, because... Um, she's looking after all of these kids that uh, under the right circumstances at any point could erupt into zombies and they're trying to study to find a way to reclaim the world but there's still a lot of wild areas of the world and they're they're under military supervision and there's one of these little kids in particular who seems to be particularly emotionally sort of something that one people can connect with and that is sort of hopeful for a a cure or a change in the stalemate that's happening in this world there's an amazing cast here too uh, other than arterton there's glenn close and patty constantine this the young girl playing the the main zombie girl is really really good sort of first actress this is based off of a novel i have not read i won't pretend that's but you can tell that there's a lot of depth and thought to it And there's just, there's something cunning about the way it sort of corrals your emotions and your sympathies and your expectations. And, uh, the movie you think you're watching is not necessarily the movie that you're watching. And then when you think that you're caught up, maybe you're not as caught up. It's really clever. It's really clever. And the stakes keep getting higher and higher because the end of the world is at stake. And we start in a place where we feel like we're in control and we end in a place that feels quite different and i don't know it's a very memorable very unique zombie picture and another one that just seemed to have skated by and that doesn't get mentioned as often as i'd like to so number 10 or number 10 number one the girl with all the gifts But why always so serious with the zombie movies? They don't need to be high-minded. They don't need to be, you know, a struggle of philosophical wrestling with the mortality or or the failure to deal with high-pressure survival apocalyptic scenarios. Sometimes you just want to point and laugh at sort of some macabre humor. This is a surprisingly rich subgenre. We're going to talk about zombie comedies, and I'm going to give you ten recommendations. In tenth place, Night of the Living Dorks. This is from Germany from director Matthias Dinter in 2004. And try to, if you can, picture an American Pie-style teen comedy with zombies. And with kind of unique zombies. They're like black magic witchcraft zombies. The the ritual is performed and then they have an accident, but it's not your typical they get bitten kind of thing. they accidentally created zombies and they maintain their their human characteristics at least initially when they're and it's just this over-the-top exploitation raunch humor, you know. There's a scene where he can hold he, he can hold his breath forever underwater. So he's like going down on this girl in a hot tub for way too long hardy hardy hard and it gets pretty explicit with some of the the physical humor and and uh, it's juvenile and crazy and over the top and and kind of memorable for that it's not a mature or smart movie but it's got its kind of charms it's it's for a specific mood and you know maybe for younger appreciators of sort of raunch comedy but uh i don't know Guilty pleasure, let's call it that In ninth place, Warm Bodies from Jonathan Levine from 2013 This is based off a novel and it also is full of nods to Romeo and Juliet Um, and, you know, it's it, it's a zombie movie that has John Malkovich in it So it's got that going for it I don't, I don't know what I need to, to tell you there Um, <clears throat> we get to know the zombie R and uh we find out when they eat brains not only do they feel better but they get to learn and experience things the the victim and between seeing this beautiful woman uh, at the moment when he has the attack and then having memories of her implanted it ignites something in him and you know as cheesy as the ultimate you know premise of this it's like right up there with the fifth element is love and minor spoilers here but uh if the zombies can reawaken their emotions it's a stepping stone to reawaking themselves reigniting their life force to them not being zombies and all of a sudden you can turn you can stay a zombie or you can slowly you know evolve back into a human or devolve into these crazy bony skeleton creatures that are sort of the secondary antagonists in the movie so um i don't know the cast sells the premise and uh if you like this kind of rom-com zombie thing another one that i was considering for the list that didn't quite make it is life after beth um so consider checking those out they're also kind of good date zombie movies if such a thing exists warm bodies life after beth in eighth position we have a strange british comedy called doghouse from director jake west this is from 2009 um the director of this movie made this movie called Evil Aliens and he did one of the Pumpkinhead movies the sort of the computery not so good Pumpkinhead movies as I remember but this is an interesting one cuz it's kind of about the battle of the sexes these male chauvinists go to this place and it's like way overpopulated with women so they figure they're going to have a great time but unfortunately yeah, the timing is not good and this zombie outbreak which specifically affects women females only become zombies is hit and they're like the their competition not for love interests or competitions for food and it's got this kind of edgy mean-spirited raunchy british kind of humor that goes there in a way that fewer comedies have the balls to do anymore uh you know everybody's worried about being offensive and stepping on toes and this movie's not worried about that and in a way i find that refreshing there are scenes that work better than others. There are a few cringy beats to it. And it stars this guy, Danny Dyer. Uh, this is not his first zombie movie. He did another one, I think, called The Devil's Playground, which wasn't as good. But uh, And I saw him in another movie, Severance. But he seems to be in a lot of like mid-range, mid-tier, mid-budget British movies. And uh, he's okay, but what was the thing that made Danny Dyer? What do I not know is from not being on their side of the ocean? is he is he a thing someone explained danny dyer to me i don't know um and and at the end some of the questions become whether intentional or not are these male chauvinist pigs though some of them are survivors are they better or worse than these female zombies because female zombies can't help their behavior and you get the feeling like these guys maybe can um yeah but again it's another one of these little celebrated zombie movies and it has it has some real strong moments to it and it's got some real strange moments to it and i don't know i like it for both its strengths and its weaknesses if that makes any sense at all doghouse in seventh position uh from 2019 very recently and uh director abe forsyth little monsters um when i first heard of this movie i thought because of the title it was going to be another version of cooties which is a different less good uh, zombie movie where there's a, a zombie virus that just hits the kids lee winnell actually was involved in writing and acting in that one which maybe set my uh hopes up a little higher for that movie than it should have been i'll give it another day in court but we're not here talking about that we're talking about little monsters and lupita nyango plays this kindergarten teacher and i believe it was shot in africa but uh there's a uh, this sort of semi-celebrity entertainer coming to to entertain the kids and there's all these things going on and she already needs to sort of keep the head count going and keep the kids calm and keep things organized on the special you know big day and then of course it gets complicated by the zombie apocalypse and sort of the fun and the humor of the movie is their sort of forced, artificial it smile that they keep on their face for the benefit of the children—that everything is okay—the way they continually trying to disguise the situation from the kids. There's some more conventional stuff with like zombie characteristics or people making bad, s- sort of obvious choices in the background, but the central conceit of putting on this happy face for the sake of the children during a zombie apocalypse never gets old to me it continues to be funny and this big sunshiny smiles when they've got all this blood on their face and everything like this trying to keep it together for the kids i don't know there's a lot of singing in this movie too and there's this there's a scene where the main character lupita Niango, sings a little song to the kids before they go to bed that i ended up having that song stuck in my head and it kind of circles back in on itself later on in the movie because Towards the end of the movie, we see her again playing music for the kids and considering everything that's been going on. It's it's heroic, but playing that innocent children's song in that context is heroic. And it's also funny and charming. um I don't know. It overperformed for me. The, this is not for kids, even though it's about kids. Like they didn't PG it. There's no punches pulled as far as the certain violence coarse language so it's it's not a kid-friendly PG type of affair but that's okay it is its own thing and uh, I like it. Oh, don't
0: worry. that be a- Oh fuck. I'll get a tetanus shot when we get back. Clear it right up. the sheep did that. Then I'll get the vet to at it. It'll be fine. Right. Oh God they come don't wait for me i'm not leaving you behind what about the sheep well oh, fuck the sheep go, over there bro go go go
1: in sixth place we're going back to new zealand from director jonathan king in 2006 black sheep they say there's like uh, 10 sheep for every person in new zealand and the premise of this movie is that they turned into zombie sheep and, uh, memorably, one character actually gets turned into, like, this weird where zombie human sheep hybrid thing. <laughs> Have I sold you on this? <laughs> um, also, what a digital effects, or, or what a effects house is involved with the making these ridiculous sheep? Um, the movie is silly, as it sounds like, but there's real sort of style and production and humor and grossness to it. And, um... It's a memorably insane movie. Another one of many, I have to add, memorably insane movies from New Zealand. They're right up there with Canada for their ability to produce independent films that are just a little more crazy than you would expect them to be. Um, it, it's relentlessly gross, and it has memorable scenes with, like, cute little animals, you know, either having terrible violence put upon them or themselves committing terrible violence. And there's sort of a goofy energy and a childish almost sort of demented energy to black sheep that's it's kind of strangely infectious. <laughs> um with respect to zombeavers, which has predictably zombie beavers in it. I think of the zombie animal subset. Uh I'm going to give extra points to Black Sheep, but uh hey, if you're into zombie beavers, give that one a try too. It did it did make me smile at times and it's a it's a short fun romp of a movie, but Black Sheep makes the list. In 5th place, Planet Terror from director Robert Rodriguez. This is from 2007. I have respect for Robert Rodriguez in many cases because you know he makes good-looking mid-range budget movies, and uh, he's prolific. He'll make kids movies. He'll make adult movies. He'll make action movies. He's like—he seems to have always got something on the on the cook. And uh, I, I respect that. You know, he's not taking twelve years off in between his features. He's he's always trying something new and making himself a more you know innovative filmmaker. He this was sort of one half of the Grindhouse experiment. The other director involved of course would have been Quentin Tarantino and I controversially am of the belief that the Rodriguez half, Planet Terror, this movie was the better, significantly the better of the two films. I've warmed up a little bit to Death Proof but I love Planet Terror for just being good at what it is and being a better example I think of the grungy, scuzzy, drive-in fare that Grindhouse was supposed to be emulating. Crazy star-studded too. I have to, I have to give it points for that. Like, until this ridiculous "The Dead Didn't Die" or "The Dead Won't Die" movie came out, I think you could argue this was the most star-studded zombie movie ever. The effects look good. The zombies are all gross and melty and over the top. It's got this sort of "Holy shit, what are we gonna see next?" quality. It's it's you know merrily exploitive uh in it you know pays tribute to the past while kind of you know being unmistakably modern in its execution and risky with some of the choices it makes with the characters you're not supposed to expect necessarily everyone to live through the movie but just how things play out or not the way you anticipate so uh it's a lot of fun this planet terror and not to get off on a rant but the dead won't die that fucking jim jarmusch comedy zombie movie that's now quote-unquote the most star-studded zombie movie ever made also to my mind one of the most frustrating and insulting zombie movies ever made where it was self-consciously about how zombie movies are dumb and predictable so this movie's going to be dumb and predictable and let's all snicker at our own audience type of vibe i found it really 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 irritating and for the record I called it on the Rankin Review Podcast. I called it before I even fucking saw it. In fourth place, One Cut of the Dead from director, oh, forgive me, Shinichiro Veda. This is from 2017, and it's an incredibly meta, hard to describe movie that, kind of going in, especially the first time, the less you know the better, so I'm going to be vague about the specifics of the events of the movie, but on a basic idea like sort of elevator pitch level amateur filmmakers are making a zombie movie and while they're making a zombie movie a zombie epidemic takes place and they use that to the advantage of their zombie movie and there's like long takes and we get to see the same scenarios from two different angles when they like the way the movie is sort of split in two there's constantly discoveries and reveals and there's uh there's there's just such enterprise and creation to this movie and uh you know it was made for twenty five thousand dollars, Bra fucking oh there's a 37 minute take i guess apparently they did like six passes on it but like it it it, you don't get distracted or lost in like, holy shit, the dazzle razzle of like the, the, the take. You're just so like watching and into the movie that you don't almost, you almost miss the, the craft of it at times. Um, and it's another one of those movies that this is always a really good sign. Like when I watched it, I immediately wanted to watch it again or like find somebody who hadn't seen it and make them watch it with me, which for me is always a good sign. And again, this is a fairly recent movie. 2017 was it made, but I don't think we saw it over here until, I don't know, a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, I don't want to spoil this one. Go in cold if you can. Seek it out. I believe it's on Shudder, um, and uh, I found a physical copy of it. It is called One Cut of the Dead. Delicious. In third place, and again, the top three might be obvious picks, but... If you haven't seen them, or even if you have, they just need recognition. Third place Zombie Lion from director Ruben Fleischer, 2009. Uh, tip of the hat to the sequel. I, again, I think it's maybe like a B minus to this movie's A minus, or maybe even a C plus. But uh, the original Zombie Lion is just like an lovely entry point for someone who's just first starting to dip their toes into the water of zombies, because it gives you sort of zombie school um in the sort of rule books that our main character desi eisenberg plays is is sort of documenting through the zombie apocalypse we we learn the rules of this particular zombie world and and uh i just love sort of the choices that everybody's name is now where they come from because you know it doesn't really matter who you were before the zombies came and um there's good chemistry between all the characters it's kind of interesting that this was originally like a pilot. It proposes a pilot for a TV show. No one bit, and so just becoming the Zombieland movie was a default thing. And then yes, ten years later, they made an okay sequel. I guess it's not least at the very least, it's not a terrible sequel. And uh, the cast is like they had a real ball, and they think you know it would be kind of fun to do one of these every every ten years. So who knows? Let's start the clock for more Zombieland. You know. Woody Harrelson plays a guy named Tallahassee and I think it's got to be one of the most fun roles I've ever like I could just see as an actor reading the script and just getting a smile on my face and like this one's gonna be fun man this one's this one's going to be fun it it balances the fun and the gore with real panache so you know zombie land it's you know I think most people are aware of it. Everybody knows it has the greatest cameo and maybe cinematic history. But just in the odd case that you don't, I will say nothing more here. Zombieland people. Yeah, kid.
0: What's the weirdest thing you've ever saw in here? Oh, kid, I have seen weird things come and I have seen weird things go. But the weirdest thing I ever saw just had to cap it all. Oh, yeah? (laughs) What's that? Let me ask you a question, kid. Did you see that movie, Night of the Living Dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one where the corpses start eating the pupil, right? Sure. What what about it? Did you know that movie was based on a true case? (laughs) Come on, you're shitting me, right? I ain't never been more serious in my life. That's not possible. I mean, they showed zombies taking over the world. They changed it all around. What really happened was, back in 1969, in Pittsburgh at the VA hospital, there was a chemical spill. And all that stuff kind of leaked down into the morgue. And it made all the dead bodies kind of jump around as though it was alive. What chemical? Two, four, five trioxin, it's called. It was to kind of spray on marijuana or something. And the Darrow Chemical Company was trying to develop it for the Army. And they told the guy who made the movie that if he told the true story, they'd just sue his ass off. So he changed all the facts around. So what really happened? Well, they closed it all down, see? And the Army shipped all that contaminated dirt and all those dead bodies out. And they kept it a secret. So, how come you know about it? What typical army fuck up? The transportation department got the orders crossed. And they shipped those bodies here instead of the Darrow Chemical Company.
1: Second and third, really tough, arbitrary, kind of basically a tie. Today, in second place, I'm putting Return of the Living Dead from sir dan o'bannon he who wrote alien and brought us you know uh life force and uh the resurrected and some a lot of interesting sort of work he did the screenplay for total recall interesting guy this for me in a lot of ways as far as him as a filmmaker is his masterpiece it's glorious again it's over the top it's aged like wine. It's super crazy and punk. There's uh, a hypnotizing and uncomfortable strip scene mm-hmm. where where this one character just randomly strips in front of her friends. She's not trying to seduce anybody. It's not a club scene. She just strips for some reason. And the whole movie stops for this, and it's kind of weird and uncomfortable to watch. It strangely reminds me of From *Dust Till Dawn when the Samahik character is introduced, and we just have this... Let's ogle Sam Le Hayek for a five-minute sequence. Um, but even that, it's hard to call it a flaw because it's pretty memorable. It's a shocking moment, and it, it kind of fits into the over-the-top, rule-breaking environment that we seem to find ourselves into. I, I love that the humor is all pulled out of the situation in favor of, like, being parody or slapstick or winky. It's all the characters kind of losing their shit over the crazy situation they find themselves in. Genuine humor kind of falls out of it. And, you know, we it gives us running zombies, and running zombies that deliver one-liners on occasion when demanded to. and It's funny, but it has stakes. It's got a bummer ending, but it doesn't, you know, leave you devastated. It's a really, 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 really fun zombie movie and I, I don't think anybody involved would believe it but this 1985 zombie movie i think will live for a long time in first place i had to give it to sean of the dead from director edgar wright who by the way is maybe one of our greatest living directors right now this is one of his first films that's from 2004 basically he did an episode of space with his buddy uh simon pegg that was zombie themed and they thought we should make a zombie movie we love zombies, and zombies aren't getting enough credit, and they weren't this time. And so they made Shaun of the Dead, a love letter to zombie fans everywhere, particularly to the Romero universe. But it also works as a buddy comedy, and it also works as a romantic comedy, and it also totally works as a zombie comedy, and it doesn't spare on the gore or the teeth and tissue. The movie has stakes, both, you know, emotionally and with, you know, what's happening, the violence and the edge of the story and it there's just so many balls in the air it shouldn't all work and it does it does this is also a really good first zombie movie although i think you'll get more of the references obviously if you're schooled in zombie cinema but if you want to get the vibe of what a great zombie movie is and should be then this is definitely one of those things and everybody involved in this movie either at the time subsequently or just still continuing on are is somebody famous there's this weird-looking kid who starts the running gag about you got red on you, and he's lost in his phone. That was Rafe Spall. Like he's gone on to be in like a lot of other movies, including a Jurassic Park movie. From this, like what seemed like a forgettable brief role in Shaun of the Dead, he's just climbing the ladder. There's a scene where a our, our group of heroes pass by a, a sort of doppelganger group. That's like they p- pass the mirror image of themselves. And Every single person they pass is an incredibly famous British comedian either at the time subsequently or like I say to this day Um, And it's so thick with gags and thick with details and so Rewatchable, I know it's not a big shocker to put it at the top of the list but as far as giving you lots of selections and proving the range of the sort of zonkam subgenre i think my case is made there's been a lot of nerd debate over what counts as a zombie movie and what doesn't i think if structurally you know you're dealing with creatures that if they bite you or scratch you you become one of them and it's uh, you know a group of a pocket of survivors in one place Um, that is basically the zombie dynamic the zombies can have variations and the scenarios can have variations but for whatever reason believe it or not nerdy film fans can get kind of picky about it so i'm calling this top 10 zombie enough for you they're not necessarily quote unquote traditional zombie movies but they're zombie enough for me so this should be zombie enough for you in 10th position i have trailer park of terror directed by Steven goldman from 2008 this is a hillbilly witchcraft comedy really strange redneck <laughs> zombies in this um, and this this poor sort of white trash uh, princess of the trailer park has this grim fate. So she makes a deal with the devil, and this uh, sort of Christian retreat of you know trying to redeem these lost teenage souls end up washed up in this sort of supernatural trailer park. But the zombies talk a lot in this one, and they actually sing. There's a memorable scene where one of them's on top of a trailer, just grinding away on a guitar. And yes, it is as bizarre as it sounds, but I feel like it's another one of these unrecognized gems that are out there. I mean, it's not your traditional zombie piece, but it's definitely original. And I kind of like the sass and energy of all these characters. In a weird way, it reminded me of this satire, really dark comedy, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Ellen Barkin and Allison Janney play these sort of redneck kind of moms at the trailer park, and they have so much fun with those characters that you kind of ended up wishing that whole movie was about them. Uh, In this case, this movie kind of has a similar fun sort of deliberately cheesy, grimy, you know... (laughs) humorous vibe. And I I don't know, nobody talks about it. So I'm going to, I'm going to include it here. In ninth position, a little more familiar territory here from famous horror director, Wes Craven and 1988, The Serpent and the Rainbow. And how is this a zombie movie? Well, in a way, this is a more purist, true blue zombie movie in that it deals with sort of the Haitian uh, voodoo culture, sort of zombie powder. Um, I don't know what the science is about it, but there's these terrible sort of potions and powders that can be made that basically destroy your brain and render you under the appearance of death, but you're still there. You're still in, locked inside what looks like a an empty body. And it sort of follows the semi-true story of this doctor who goes to try and study all of these different compounds and, and acquire them and learn their secrets and sort of Bridge the gap, but the bit blah bridge the gap between the supernatural and the scientific, all while you know, subjecting himself to experimental drugs and blasting his mind. A lot of creepy imagery, a lot of serpent imagery, which Wes Craven was sort of obsessed with. It sort of again plays with the dream world, which obviously Wes Craven liked a lot. Um, but it's not a well; it is a horror movie. It's not a traditional horror movie in a lot of senses it's it's playing itself pretty straight until the scenes where it's not but i really like this one and no it's not your average zombie movie but um you know if you're looking to go way back to these sort of films like white zombie and the sort of plantation slave zombies where you know it it, it's not necessarily these things are, are necessarily uh the horror isn't about them trying to eat you, the horror is about the loss of identity in traditional zombie tales, at least before George A. Romero got to it. That's when the, the worm turned for zombie enterprises. So in a weird way, Serpent and the Rainbow is not just a departure for Wes Craven, but it's like a very old school zombie picture. The Serpent and the Rainbow. In eighth position, here's a strange one. It's called The Last Days on Mars, it's from director Rory Robertson. It stars Lev Shriver and a Canadian actor who I like a lot, Elias Koteas. This came out in 2013. And um, I don't know. I think it might have been a direct-to-video thing. It just sort of showed up one day. I'd never heard about it before. And it's really sort of straight-faced sci-fi. And you think that it's going somewhere kind of, I don't know. You don't know where it's going. And then, oh, I guess we're doing Zombies in Space now, some people will be disappointed because, you know, maybe they thought the movie had more to say or more to do than that, but I don't know. I had a lot of fun with it. Particularly, I like the detail that Elias Kiteas, who's a beloved Canadian actor, uh, just they don't make a big deal about it, but he's in charge of this this uh, mission, at least uh, at the start of the movie, and he's Canadian. It's an international space vi- uh, mission, and the Canadian's in charge, and I have to admit I like that little detail. <laughs> Um, And it's a fun enough Zombies in Space. You'd think we'd see more of that, but we don't. Um, If you like that idea, check out There's an Animated Movie based on the video game Dead Space Downfall that very much feels like Zombies in Space. And I guess a case could be made that the Borg from Star Trek, The Next Generation, are kind of space zombies. But, um, I don't know, if any of these things that I'm saying excite you, maybe give a look at Last Days on Mars. This is another one that kind of quietly slipped by. It's not amazing, but it's kind of fun, and, uh, you know, sometimes that's what you're looking for at the end of the day. In seventh position I have Mutants from director David Morley, and this is 2009, if I can read my own writing. Let's say 2009. Um, it's a French film, and it follows the zombie formula, except for people are mutating instead of becoming undead creatures they're mutating into super aggressive bitey creatures that can infect you with their mutations and um, this woman finds this sort of secluded hospital in the middle of the woods and she feels like she's safe and away from the world but the problem is she's extremely pregnant and is getting increasingly you know weared down from the the ordeal and her survival situation and you know it there's a lot of great production design and a lot of suspense and a lot of brutality things sort of erupt it's not wall-to-wall action again it sort of has to deal with the isolation and loneliness and this woman's determination to survive because she's got a reason to keep going this this ticking clock within her this baby that's growing inside so she's got to survive and she spends a lot of time alone so it is grim. I'm not going to say it's not. It's it's got its sort of ugly corners, but it's a well-made uh, zombie movie. And yet again, I feel at the risk of repeating myself, nobody talks about mutants. Nobody is like celebrating that. It it kind of came and went and left no ripples in the water. It's decent. I love the production design and how spooky that hospital is. Can we
0: keep this whiskey here flowing. We'll have ourselves. A well that's a fair trade then so tell me how did you start out in your life a crime well i suppose i'd have to go back a bit back to when i first met willie willie got me into the trade grave rob yeah mm-hmm. bloody good one too mainly though we were under the thumb of one dr vernon coin he was a fiend i need more corpses and i need them now i don't care where they come from fanny bryas Oh, I Arthur says, I was ah, I'm up with you. Season, we don't think. you are our apprentice, not our partner. You're gonna rein it in a little low. I'm sick of being broke. You stupid cow. You get run ins with a crowd of lunatics called the House of Murphy. Well, let me tell you.
1: In sixth place, let's lighten things up a little bit, shall we? From director Glenn McQuaid in 2008, a kind of anthology sort of movie sort of funny sort of scary sort of just a weird thing it's called i sell the dead dominic Monaghan and larry fessenden play a couple of grave robbers and it seems like where we start at the movie anyway they're at the end of their path they're facing their end And uh, They're sort of telling their life story and the misadventures that they have from grave robbing and they encounter zombies and they encounter Vampires and they encounter aliens and like it's a little bit all over the place, but the theme of you know supernatural undead is very strong here and uh, Zombie bites play very important roles in the plot But I don't think you should watch this because it's you know a great zombie movie I think you should watch this just because it's a great movie. It is all over the place, it's full of nods to different genres and different movies, but at the same time it's completely, you know, dancing to its own tune. It's off its rocker, it's very strange, but it's fun, and it, you know, it put a smile on my face. And Ron Perlman's in there. Hellboy's in there. You you can't dislike Hellboy, can you? I defy you to dislike Hellboy. In fifth position, here's a very weird one. It's called Verses from... Here we go, Raiheyu Kitimara. I apologize for how wrong that probably is. This came out in two thousand. This guy went on to direct a a movie called No One Lives and a a sort of the Clive Barker adaptation called Midnight Meat Train. Um, And again, he's got a really cool, good eye and uh, energy to his movies. I like the vibe. This movie is made up of endless fighting in a supernatural forest. There's a couple of good guys, there's a whole bunch of bad guys, and they fight. And then they brush themselves off, and then they fight. And then they brush themselves off, and then they fight. It seems really hard to actually finish a battle in this forest because everybody and everything is coming back to life. And it is kind of ridiculous, and it is kind of exhausting, but it is hypnotizingly strange. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of a fun sort of hybrid movie it's not particularly scary it's kind of a kung fu movie or i if that's the right word to use now and martial arts extravaganza but there's gunfighting as well and i guess there's maybe a tiny hint of a sort of maybe plot kind of but not quite but again this is a style as substance movie and if that's what you're into uh it yeah it's (laughs) it's worth a look in fourth position, let's go to the eighties for night of the Comet from director Tom Eberhardt uh It posits that the you know end of the world after a comet passes over and turns a lot of people into sort of red dust and mutates a lot of people into aggressive zombie like creatures and If you happen to be under a sheet of metal or in the right place while it passed over, you just get to survive but <laughs> This is one of those movies where the weight of the circumstance is just not properly recognized by any of the characters, and it becomes amusing. I don't know how intentional it is. I know that there's some intentional humor to this movie, but I think part of the charm of the Night of the Comet is just how ridiculously 80s it is. And the kind of strangely blase response these two teenage girls have to the loss of everyone and everything. Now they can have the whole mall to themselves. <laughs> Hooray! Um, it's really fun, and it's definitely one of those time capsule movies. And maybe if you didn't grow up through the 80s, it's like it might be too much 80s for you. <laughs> like, I can't imagine just walking into Night of the Comic with no context at all. It would be like, It probably feel like a David Lynch film or something like that but I don't know I have a nostalgic attachment to it I think it's fun and uh yeah for that taste for the 80s and for the apocalypse and some zombie fun and some 80s hair absolutely Night of the Comet all the way and now maybe a Christmas themed zombie picture kind of sort of In third position, I have a British film called The Children, directed by Tom Shanklin. This is from 2008, and it is ugly. A bunch of, uh, or three sort of couples uh, and family members sort of get together at this sort of winter landscape to celebrate Christmas holidays. And some of their kids, because they all bring along kids, start having symptoms that you'd expect, you know, flu-like symptoms cold like symptoms they're moody they've got a temperature they're one of them throws up but all of a sudden this starts to manifest in like not just zombie aggression but the kids seem to be psychically conspiring to do some really bad business on the adults and i don't know i've heard the premise that you know it was like the kids are going crazy and adults versus kids and i didn't know you know how do they balance that what's the tone gonna be And because they play it absolutely razor straight, it is actually terrifying, especially as a parent, the idea of having to decide whether or not you can or will be able to defend yourself when your own child attacks you. Um, And it's not that your child is, you know, having a mental breakdown or, or, you know, after years of suffering with a mental illness, you know, has sort of come to this point there were a loving adoring child a few hours ago and now they're coming at you with a hammer or something it's and it's christmas (laughs) um yeah it's really ugly but it's an effective horror movie and of this list this is like a horror movie yes 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 so definitely go in knowing that but it's really good at being what it is and um I don't know. It takes a few turns that I wasn't expecting. It's just a little darker than I expected it to be, but effective because of that. In second place, we have the remake of George A. Romero's The Crazies by director Breck Eisner. This is from 2010. And again, uh, this is when everybody was bitching about, you know, how remakes suck. I have no problem saying that this is a far superior movie than its original title. And even Romero, who was struggling to find another hit that didn't have zombies attached to it, you might be able to bully him into admitting, you know, that The Crazies was just a thinly disguised zombie movie. The catch here is that this community is being experimented on, and everybody reacts in a different way. Everybody has their own sort of affected madness, some of it more interesting than others, but the this remake starring timothy oliphant and Radha mitchell is super fun super intense and they lean on the zombie aspect to the point where like the people start wolfing out and their eyes are called bulbous and veiny and they growl a little bit some of them and it does feel zombie but i guess technically speaking a lot of those rules guys out there would be saying it's not a zombie movie i think it fits on this list it is definitely zombie enough for me plenty gory, great characters that you can root for, and, you know, you sort of see this slow, terrible destruction of an entire community. Good times. I got
0: good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Shit shit. Cynthia, look. Look, you squeeze this thing to fire, okay? a Cynthia! Try and fire it! Do something, damn
1: it! Speaking of good times, speaking of great times, one of my favorite B-movies of all time is going to top the list, and it's called Night of the Creeps, and it's from director Fred Decker, and it's from 1986. And it came and went with no fanfare at all in 1986. And it seems like with every year that goes by, more people discover it and love it. It's weird how influential this bomb turns out to be. And uh, is it a zombie movie? Well, it has zombies in it. It also has aliens in it. It also has a serial killer in it. It also has, you know, a wisecracking cop in it. It's got everything in it. Um, It sets in the 50s and the 80s. These... Alien specimens escape a ship, they can get inside people or bodies and incubate and create more of these worms which come out and get inside your head, effectively turning you into a zombie, creating more worms, then spreading more like a virus. So their life cycle, just by happenstance, has a zombie phase to it. Is it a zombie movie? I think it's sort of an everything, like an all you can eat buffet of horror, comedy, and fun. And (laughs) it's everything you didn't know you wanted in a horror comedy, but it's hard to say that Night of the Creeps is a zombie movie, is it? But it's a great movie, and isn't that enough? leg of defending zombie cinema because get used to it they're still gonna be kicking around for a while yet I'm just gonna give you 10 zombie movies for your consideration Um, it kind of covers all the other categories that we've already touched on but this is sort of my my last hurrah zombies for your consideration Look, there's a lot of divisive opinions about World War Z from director Mark Forster. This was in 2013. And I get it. They had a great book of source material, and they spent millions of dollars to secure the rights to it. And at the end of the day, what they made was just a zombie movie that didn't really have much of any resemblance to its source material. And that was heartbreaking, because I fucking love that book. That said there are amazing sequences throughout this movie. The way that they chose to approach the zombies, although incredibly different from the book, was exciting and different. And again, the sort of, the way they swarm and topple over top of each other uh, is something that I've seen described in books, but very rarely accomplished visually. It is a little bit computery at times, I will concede that point. It also made over 500 million dollars worldwide. 500 million dollars. So say what you will, it helped to sort of feed the fire of zombie popularity. I'm amazed that they haven't figured out a way to do a sequel yet, or just even if they were to do a quote reboot and actually tackle the book if they dared. Because, you know, they have Sir Bradley Pitt and they made so much money, why? Why no further? Why no? Why, why is Army of the Dead building a universe? You know, and not and not World War Z. Um, I don't completely understand it. Um, purists to the book were offended by this movie, but I think zombie fans can have fun with it. Um, but totally read the book because you'll have a very different, very better experience. Okay, in ninth position, Pandemic from director John Switz. This is 2016. Just in case you thought Hardcore Harry was the first first first-person shooter action movie where it's all from the point of view of our main character, alas, I'm sorry to tell you, Pandemic got there, I guess, first, at least in a full-length sort of way. Yeah, we have people all in these hazmat suits with these mounted cameras going into the forbidden zone to rescue people of interest and persons of interest, particularly people of value being doctors and, you know, specific survivors. And we cut through the cameras of the different characters, POV, but we mainly follow this one protagonist. And obviously it does come with some of the conventions. It's kind of sort of found footage, but it's more point of view. And the idea of that can wear people out, sort of seeing the whole world through people's eyes, but it also does give some good and grim opportunities for kills when you get a person's point of view of their own guts being yanked out of them. It's kind of nasty. And um, the movie does have energy and um, I like what they were going for. I think that it might have, you know, Subsequent films that have tried this style of action movie might have better executed it, but I think this gets points for attempting it early and including zombies. So, Pandemic. POV zombie action. Check it out. In eighth position, my friend Scott Lehman talked about this movie on another zombie episode. Nightmare City from Umberto Lenzi is the director. This is from way back In 1980, and this one's the hardcore, squishy, ridiculous, exploitive, you know, Italian spaghetti splatter zombie fest that I can encourage, you know, those real nasty, (laughs) gore-loving, not-too-picky-about-plot people to really, you know, get off on. I've often said that I'm a story guy, and that definitely works against me in this nightmare, Nightmare City. But there are sequences just sequences after sequences after sequences of just hilarious crazy over-the-top zombie mayhem and yeah in that true weird bad dubbing strange color sort of over-the-top exploitation nudity sort of flair. it it is a very specific taste and if you enjoy that very specific type of meal this kill could be a lot of fun for you if you don't it could be one of the most hypnotizingly odd movies you've ever seen And I imagine in this day and age, it could be a horror show for some people. How dare they? How dare they? But if you want something that's going to, you know, uh, if not challenge you intellectually, at least show you stuff that you haven't seen before, Nightmare City definitely has that. So uh, it's over the top. It's crazy. It has no logic to it. But on some fundamental level, it's hard not to be kind of charmed by its craziness. In seventh place, Overlord, from director Julius Avery in 2018. This one kind of grew on me. Uh, at first, I was a little bit off-put about, I don't know, they, they were playing it super serious in real world, and then they turned it into an over-the-top kind of thing vibe, and um, the people don't just get zombified, they uh, kind of mutate, become super soldiers, but they also kind of go crazy. And of course we have the Nazi zombie thing involved. But I think the thing that I ended up turning me around about Overlord is what a rare thing this is going to be increasingly going forward. This was like big budget, hard R, capital H, over the top horror movie with just real juicy gore to it and kind of a mean spine sort of going through the whole uh, idea of the tale. I think maybe historical purists might question some of the uh, you know, modern takes on, on, on the portrayal of the military, but whatever. I think it's much more a horror movie than a war movie. It certainly works much better as a horror movie than a war movie, but it was weird because the first time I saw it, I felt like I shrugged it off, but I ended up revisiting it and having a lot of fun with it, so uh, Overlord wins points for kind of sticking in my head and growing in my esteem.
0: Guest, Doctor. It's Herbert West. What are you thinking? How do you feel? You, you?
1: number six is gonna be another one of these obvious picks, but I mean. How do you make this zombie list without having Reanimator on it? Very loosely inspired by H.B. Lovecraft. This is from director Stuart Gordon, way back in the tender year of 1985. And the level of over the top gore and spatter and the level of. I guess exploitative nudity, but completely appropriate for the time it was made, um, gives this movie an oh shit factor. It's almost like a dare movie. You, you kind of have to see it just to watch a movie that gleefully celebrates going too far and just, just seems to be really enjoying itself. It's tacky. Uh, there's some good and bad performances to it. It really introduced the world to Jeffrey Combs and we appreciate that. Um, it's weird. It's considered one of the best H.P. Lovecraft adaptations, but I don't know how successfully it, it uh, tells the story of the uh, the reanimator, um, but it does, whatever it lacks in being a good adaptation, it more than makes up for in being entertaining and very, very rewatchable. And also we must mention Barbara Crampton, uh, one of the great screen queens. And, uh, I love that she's still around, still doing great horror movies. And again, this is another one of her, the first things that uh, introduced her really gutsy, really beautiful, really talented actress who would be willing to do anything on screen to help tell the story. And, uh, so, you know, okay with it. I really respect that. I respect that a lot. Um, and there's lots to respect in reanimator. The, the effects are practical and I guess you can tell they're practical effects, but they're wonderful and they're funny they're as grotesque as they are funny and as funny as they are grotesque i think there's a lot of people it seems to me anyway that have let reanimator slip through their fingers and you know the sequels are not essential but that first reanimator movie you gotta give that one it's day in court people trust me i have a podcast Number five is I Am a Hero from director Shinsuke Sato. I'm terribly sorry if that is anywhere near close. 2015, it's adapted from a manga. And this is probably of this list, one of the more industry standard zombie movies. The zombie shows up, there's pockets of survivors trying to, you know, get through it. And we follow this one particular guy who, in the normal world, is maybe uh, just an average guy. He draws manga. It's funny because this is based off of manga and the character draws it. But in the zombie world, he feels that he has the potential to be a real hero. One of the really interesting things about the movie is he's in a pretty good position because he's one of the few people in the entire movie who actually owns a weapon in, in the story. Like guns aren't readily available all over this place. He's one of the few people in the city with a shotgun. So um, people either rally behind him or strategize to get his gun. But it's funny how we take for granted how armed people are in Canada and the United States and in other places of the world. That is not the case. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of sneaks up on you. It bubbles and boils and it it sort of starts off as a weird road picture and then it ends up with a sort of big standoff fight sequence against a bunch of zombies. And uh, you you don't really know exactly where it's going. It's got an interesting vibe to it. And I I loved when I was watching it in the climax. I just really didn't know how it was going to end. Usually when I'm watching these types of movies, I know this is going to... A couple of our guys are going to get away. It's going to be okay or no. This is going to be one of those grim apocalyptic, dour warning movies, you know? And the cool thing about I Am a Hero is you're just not sure uh, how it's going to be because you kind of believe that this guy's going to prove himself a hero, but you're asking yourself, how? Because sometimes being a hero means making sacrifices. Um, no spoilers here. I'm just saying it kind of added to the fun and the tension of the movie check it out. I am a hero. In fourth place, as much as it pains me to throw out a Netflix-only release, (laughs) and you'll probably hear me rant about Netflix at some point in the future, Uh, no, I'm not talking about Army of the Dead, although I did mention that earlier in the episode, but this is called Cargo. It's directed by Ben Howling and Yolanda Renke, I hope I'm saying that right, from 2017. It's set in Australia, and it's a survival zombie drama in a lot of ways, and that it's sort of playing on the situation and the pathos and the terrible radical changes that this one character suffers through, then how much he loses and yet how much he still tries to retain uh, of his humanity through the story. Um, it's based off of an absolutely chilling short film i think the same directors made it but um in that short story the cargo is a reference to this sort of baby wear thing you you wear the baby on you like cargo and then you still have your hands free and in the in the short film it's the story of this man who realizes he's bit and he's going to be changing into a zombie soon and he's terrified for his baby so he straps the baby onto himself he ties his hands and makes sure that his mouth is nowhere near where the baby can get it And he starts walking towards a place where he knows there are people. And that's all we get. Um, In a weird way, this movie is a big wraparound to get to us to that premise and show us to where that goes. But um, it expands the world and it takes its time. It's not a wall-to-wall action zombie movie. It's a much more thoughtful kind of hunkered down sort of meditative closer to maggie but not quite as you know punch you in the soul as as maggie was going for um but i have to say it did stick with me it's another one of those movies when i the credits rolled the first time i was kind of like huh i'm not sure how i feel i mean i don't regret watching it but i'm not sure how i feel and then time goes by and just images come back into my head martin freeman man how does he end up in all these interesting places whenever i see that guy i feel like man he must have like the best agent in the world interesting movie and another one of these you know thousands of digitally released movies that are very easy to be missed Um, so if you missed cargo check it out be careful though there's lots of movies called cargo this is not about human trafficking this is not a science fiction film this is a zombie film it's called cargo in third place love it The Battery from director and actor Jeremy Gardner in 2012, micro budget zombie film about two friends who've been friends for a long time, like before the zombie apocalypse and whose relationship carries over beyond it. They talk to each other, they scavenge for supplies, they meet people, they meet zombies. It's very episodic. It's very low budget. In a weird way, at times, it feels like a mumblecore zombie film, and they spend as much time running away and avoiding zombies as fighting them, which I think is very realistic. But it exceeds at showing you why there are so many low-budget zombie movies. And yes, of course, there's a lot of bad low-budget zombie movies, but if you have some extras, um, you can do a lot of interesting things on a minimal budget. And I have such respect for everybody involved with The Battery. Not only that, but they do a shout out in that movie to one of my favorite movies, Tremors. (laughs) At one point, the survivors are talking about that movie Tremors. The world may be, you know, facing a zombie apocalypse, but the people still appreciate Tremors. How can I not get behind that movie? Um, it's, it's a little seen, little known movie, but I have the feeling that, uh, given the opportunity that this writer, director, actor could go on to bigger, better things. Give him a budget. Let's see where he goes. The Battery. Uh, They call it that because they used to be on a baseball team. I don't know. I can't remember if they were professionals or if they were just, you know, a couple of buds who played baseball. I don't know how important that is to the overall story. But uh, their friendship carries over through through the apocalypse. And that's basically what the movie's about. Can a friendship survive zombies? In second place, we have Dead Set from director... Yann Demange. Demange. Uh, again, I'm terrible with the names 2008 It's written by Charlie Brooker who created the black mirror British TV series. It's very sort of a, a British twilight zone with real hard edges to it Most of it is quite good. If you haven't watched black mirror I encourage you guys genre fans to check it out, but this predates that and I um, I have no interest in, quote, reality TV, especially this sort of Big Brother style, you know, vote people out of the house, vote people off of the island, who's fucking who, who wants to be fucking who. That kind of television has always just bored me to tears. The way some people hate slasher movies, I hate reality TV. And to that measure, I really enjoyed watching a bunch of reality TV stars. First of all, not knowing that they were surviving a zombie apocalypse because they're locked in their studio house uh, with no eyes on the real world. And and secondly, almost being entertainment for the zombies as the show keeps rolling despite the terrible circumstances. This was made for television and broken up into uh, like, I think five parts. One of them's an hour long, the rest are like 22 minutes. So cut together, it's like a two and a half hour kick ass zombie movies the zombies are very much in the spirit of Twenty Eight days later they're fast they're aggressive and we do have character templates but every it's not quite as black and white we certainly have our cooper character but all of the characters have layers you know there's one character who's desperately trying to get back to his beloved girlfriend and there's this The girl at the studio who's been cheating on her boyfriend and uh, trying to climb the ladder in the behind the scenes of the show, but whose priorities kind of get reset by the apocalypse that she witnesses. There are characters who are frustrated because they're just clearly not smart enough to survive the apocalypse, and the only reason they've gotten this far is by pure chance and happenstance. You can see people who seem to understand their situation, people who don't, there's a heartbreaking scene where we know some, one of the characters is going to change, but another character stays to be with her as she goes through it. And you know, it's not going to play out for them and in their hearts and heads, they're doing the right thing, but we know it's going to end badly for, for, for that character. It's a great, fun, aggressive, and un- it's not seen as much on this side of the ocean. And if you can get your hands to it, I, it at least was on Netflix at one point. Um, dead Set. So good, you guys. Such a good zombie movie. And it's sort of hiding in plain sight.
0: Check it out. Hey, I mean, praying's for church, huh? Come on. I haven't seen you in church lately. <laughs> well not much sense in my going to church. Do you remember one time when we were small, we were out here? It was from right over there. I jumped out at you from behind the tree and Grandpa got all excited and he shook his fist at me and he said, boy, you'll be damned to hell. <laughs> remember that? Right over there. Well, you used to really be scared here. Johnny. You're still afraid. Stop it now, I mean it. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it! You're acting like a child! They're coming for you! Look! There comes one of them now! So, how do I
1: top this list? My last tier argument. Well. What's been the elephant in the zombie room? Who have we not discussed enough considering (laughs) That we're talking about zombies and how dynamic they are and how much you can do with them Well, my number one pick for zombies for your consideration if you haven't already is The six zombie films written and directed by George A. Romero Night of the living dead dawn of the dead day of the dead land of the dead. I full-heartedly endorse all of those uh, I, I don't think you should feel any uh, apprehension at all. Diary of the Dead is much more problematic, but I still give it a pass. Survival of the Dead is not a good movie, but I think purists should stand through and see Romero through to the end. Romero always wanted to make his damn Western, and he finally did with Survival of the Dead. It just, just, the the tone of it was too all over the place. You know, Romero's passion projects, man, like Knight Riders and and Survival of the Dead, you know, some of his more problematic movies, but I guess I like them a little more knowing how much Romero liked them. And I know that they're old and dated movies now, and I know that they're slow zombies, but he is the grandpappy of the the world of zombies we understand now. Love it or hate it, you know, put the crown on George Romero. Six great zombie movies, adjacent things like Creepshow and The Dark Half. He was just a master storyteller. And um, a lot of people have seen Night of the Living Dead. A lot of people are aware of Dawn, or Dawn of the Dead. you got to see them all. you got to see it through. And uh, it's a journey. It's six movies, and it's fun. Like I say, the first four are easy locks. And if you're having fun with it and you're enjoying it and you go in a little bit shields up, press on but i i don't know i guess i'm such a fanboy i love them all warts and all you know some certain star trek fans love all the star trek movies even though they know some of them are pretty brutal i guess with the romero movies i kind of feel that way even the worst of them i keep watching them because i love them i grew up on romero and uh he was sort of this outsider who struggled to get this shit put out there at the time and now it's everywhere you know (laughs) What was once considered this grungy outsider art is now there's kids' movies that have zombies in them. You know, don't undercut the influence of George A. Romero. And I respect a man, he was, as much as maybe in his heart he wanted to be, you know, Spielberg or or Francis Ford Coppola, I think he was kind of built to make the movies he made. Low budget, rough around the edges, but uncompromised.
0: I guess uh
1: that about wraps her up you have over 60 zombie recommendations and unless you're a super freak there's got to be one or two in there that you had not heard of i gotta i gotta hope so um and again these are just selected out of my personal collection there's a lot of great zombie stuff to be found out there and no i don't think at any point i said that all zombie movies are great and i would be a fool to do that but Don't dismiss zombies because you think that all zombie movies are the same. It has, uh, I think, a pretty good batting average as compared to your slasher, your monster, your ghost movies. You know, you know, all of those movies have their conventions and their repeated qualities. Why is it that zombie movies are the ones who are always getting spanked for it? No, no, it's a much more dynamic and a much more ambitious genre than people give it credit. And that's why the zombie renaissance has been going on and on and on. And that's why even people who seem resentful and throw up their hands and are frustrated with The Walking Dead keep watching it because for some reason they love it enough to hate it and love it at the same time. It's got a hold on us. It's got a hold on us. Because we're looking at our, our future in a way. This rotting thing walking towards us trying to eat us is a visual representation of our death. And we can fight it and we can survive from it as long as possible. Sometimes we can even maybe survive too long. But it always ends the same way. You either become dead or you become undead. What a happy thought to end the podcast on. Thank you so much for bearing with me through another one of my lecture episodes. I know I haven't done one of these in a long time, and uh, I'd love to hear your feedback on it. I know most of you are thinking, well, at least it wasn't a bunker episode, <laughs> but here's this. We're going to go back to some normal episodes of rank and review going forward here. So typical guests, one guest, six reviews. Let's get back to the ranks. The age of COVID has uh, forced me to be a little bit more creative here as always i am your host and random canadian larry parsons and i really appreciate your ears you can send me feedback at rankandreview at gmail.com that's r-a-n-k-n-r-e-v-i-e-w at gmail.com the website is rankandreview.ca if you want more podcasts to put in your ears i encourage you to check out the shelf shedding movie show and the terror table and A Lifetime of Hallmark, and Cobweb's A Gothic Horror Podcast, and just tell a friend about Rankin Review. I really appreciate you. And like I said, back to the regular show next week. I promise.